2: What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. Thursday evening, Friday morning for you listening in, in, in the uh, morning, maybe before work or on your lunch break or whatever. We're just glad that you're here. Um, uh, I'll, Of course, John Rock is here with me. What's going on?
0: Not much, man. Uh, just trying to stay cool in this heat. San Jose. Uh, it, I think it got up to 94 today. Did it? I was, because the way I saw, like, well, I saw it was, you know, they said it was going to be 97, so I didn't see how high it got, but it just feels like 97, <laughs> just uh, yeah, out it's there. Really. It's definitely rough today. Uh, so,
2: uh, just wanted to mention a couple things before we get started. So, we want Flair with Flair and Sting from the Great American Bash 1990. That is our story for this month. That will be on Monday show. So you can look forward to that. Um, and then after we get done, we're, we're actually making this only two weeks because it's not as, it's not as long a, of a story as some of the other ones. Um, so it's only gonna be two weeks. But when we're done, the basically the next week, which would be the first week of July, we are going to start covering uh, WCW 1992, WCW Saturday night. And we'll cover those 92 shows right from where we are in this current uh this current time of year so you'll we'll start with the first show in july if you want to follow along uh i know a lot of folks on our uh, fight uh facebook group for the fight game podcast facebook group uh kind of like to follow along with that stuff because it's kind of an easy watch you can throw it on in the background and then you know i'll have a lot of the stuff that's uh that's going on from that time and then you will um you know, then we'll talk about the matches and and sort of the angles that are going on. So that will be coming soon. Uh, And then the other thing I wanted to call out is our New Japan Cup Bracket Challenge. So it is ongoing. Uh, We added many people to the Facebook group. Uh, Glad that all of uh, those folks are 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 with us chit chatting. Some of them have already just picked up, you know, like they're like they've been in the group for a while. Love to see the interactions. Love to see the engagement, and I also love to see folks uh, who you know create content, who write, who maybe host their own podcast. And I love seeing those posts in there. So really, really cool to kind of get that thing going. And uh, we will also have more on the New Japan Cup kind of kind of too much to fit into to this show so we'll focus uh Monday we will uh we'll we'll talk more about that I'm going to bring on uh, our buddy Duan who uh Duin and I ha- will also talk about our project uh, the Rocky podcast he and I are kind of halfway done with it and we'll start putting
0: episodes out um next week actually so that that should be fun I don't know what's going on because I you know you guys have been talking about the Rockies. You're getting ready for that, the Rocky podcast. But like, literally all my searches on my Xfinity or, or any other. So it's like I, these Rocky movies are just popping up. And I'm like, what are they trying to tell me? I need to follow along. I'm like, I'm happy. <laughs> I'm going to follow along with this show. That's I, have, I have to hear it.
2: Yeah. No, it is like a deep, a super deep dive into the series. But also, you know, Dune and I are like just such diehards that you know we're going over like favorite quotes, like favorite scenes, um going over certain things that they change and just just deep diving but it's also really fun with the information because we're finding stuff out too. Like we we just finished the Rocky 4 uh podcast mm-hmm. uh, last week. Uh, we just finished recording that one. And like, there's so many things just in my research, I was like, oh, this one's going to be easy. Rocky four is like a 85 minute music video. And I'm just like digging through going like, oh my God, I didn't know this. I didn't know this. This is crazy. Uh, So that, that was fun doing the research there. But
0: unfortunately the next one is Rocky five, which is (laughs) the worst one. Um, it's funny, like, you know, growing up and I'm on full blood Italian and, um, my mainly my mom's side my my dad's side a little different but my mom's side was like I mean they celebrated Sylvester Stallone they celebrated these rocks like go, seeing a Sylvester Stallone movie was like a must for my mom's side my cousin's stuff like a Rambo you know I I, I can remember like Christmas time being you know we they weren't watching like Christmas movies. They're watching Rambo and Rocky and whatever he was doing. You know, like he's just a celebrated Italian in our family. He's <laughs> so just awesome. low. So, yeah. So, uh, this has got a cool project, man. Uh, you're going to have a great show, and people should definitely need to tune in for that.
2: Yeah. It's kind of like
0: the sequel
2: to our Fabulous Four podcast, which, if you've been with us for a while, you may have heard that. That was, you know, kind of before this show kind of took off a little bit. We were we, He and I were just trying to. Find our way with with these kind of podcasts where where you kind of take a deep dive and you you look at historical stuff and try to retell that story. So this kind of this is our you know this is our sequel to that, and we we've been looking for something to sink our teeth into to uh, to to have you know just the the sort of chemistry that we have from that first show. So this is a lot of fun. Uh, okay, so the last thing you know, of course, we are uh, we are sponsored by our good friends uh, at BetOnline. The other thing I want to point out is uh, there's a survey that I'm going to attach in the show notes of this podcast. Uh, Those of you who are in the Facebook group, you've already seen me link to this survey, and I appreciate you for for those of you who did take it. Uh, John and I also took it. Uh, So, I'm just just those of you who have the opportunity to do it. It'll take you probably I don't know two minutes. Took it's really fast. There's not a lot of questions, and uh, if you do so, it's it's very helpful for us. It's very helpful for Blue Wire to kind of see what other shows people listen to. We can you know we're 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 also looking to add more shows. You know Kevin Jones, the the head guy running running the show. You know, he's very receptive to feedback, and he's just constantly looking for, you know, what, what's the next thing that people want to hear. So definitely fill that out if you can for us. And like I said, I'll put that in the, uh, in the show notes. Okay, so we're going to begin this podcast with a little bit of uh, kind of hard reality, uh, unfortunate news in, in the wrestling world today, which is uh, you're seeing a lot of people – it's a lot of women – speak out against prior sexual abuse from uh, pro wrestlers. And the hard part about this story is, you know, it's going through Twitter. People are sharing their truth about certain situations, things that they, you know, that they may not have talked about in the past. Uh, You see a lot of their tweets. uh, They mentioned fear being one of those reasons. And this story, I'm sure, will continue uh, it'll take. It, 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 there, there, will be more information. We're just going to just uh, talk about it a little bit. But just because, like you know, they right now they're just accusations. Um, but there are some name guys. Uh, I've seen Jordan Devlin's name come up. WWE, uh, a lot of uh, a, a few guys who are on the UK brand, their name has has come up. And WWE actually made a statement, which kind of validates. Um, it doesn't validate the whole story, but it validates that this is something that they're looking into. and It's not something that they're just brushing under the table. And they said today, we take any allegation of this nature very seriously and are looking into the matter. So WWE, that came from them. Uh, David Starr tweeted out today because he was accused and he admitted to not being a very good person. Uh, he did not admit to... A lot of what what was accused uh, of him, but he did admit to certain things where he clearly comes across as, you know, someone who who was not a good person uh, in those moments, and uh, even as far as you know, Jim and Stacey Cornett. There's information about them. Who knows about that? But you know, you have been in this business uh, for a long time, and there's a you know there's an under underworld a dark world to it just like there is in stand-up comedy just like there is in acting in every profession where a lot of it is fan driven and where you have fans and fandom you hear a lot about this you know i mentioned stand-up comedy because you know stand-up comedy really is is where the me too movement was able to to be created it came out of hannibal burris's mentioning a lot of these old stories about bill cosby that people had kind of forgotten and that kind of really kicked it off where where a lot of women were coming were able to come forward and and talk about these things so um you know it's out there it's 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 it it, it exists you know pro wrestling has its has its problems uh with, with that kind of stuff so I wanted to mention it just because if we didn't mention it, we'd be a little tone deaf in doing this show on a Thursday night when this stuff came out. But, you know, I'm sure there's going to be more about it. And there's just not a whole lot. You know, we don't have um, we don't have a lot of the other side uh, of the story or the actual investigation uh, of a lot of this stuff if the investigating is going to happen. But i um it, it, i'm i the one thing I'm glad about is that, if these things did happen to to the women who are accusing, the fact that they feel the confidence, and I'm, I'm sure they, they're, it's really hard to still talk about this kind of stuff. It's, it's a really, really bad sort of memory to bring up. But, um, you know, I, I'm sure they, they feel like sharing their truth is going to help uh, other people down the line. So that's, that's kind of a big overall picture. So just kind of wanted to, to start there. I don't know if you had anything else to say about that.
0: Um, you know, it's just, uh, it's, I'm glad the women are coming out and, 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 and speaking out as there's, you know, and with their sexual abuse and, um, you know, I've seen a lot of crazy stuff. It's hard to, right now it's just, it's all allegations. So it's hard to pick what was what's true. What's not. But uh, the stuff that was just really disturbed me and it seems pretty consistent. A lot of these women who are joined the wrestling business at a young age being manipulated by, you know, an older male who, you know, they think is a superstar or has certain kind of pull within the industry and this and that. And, I, and you know, I'm not saying I personally seen that in my, in my experience, but I've always had, I've seen young women fall for these evil kind of people. People that, you know, I mean, that I, I know they're not the best of, they have the best intentions, so um so i always wondered about that too when i when i was reading those i was kind of just thinking about stuff that i you know maybe saw in the past i was kind of questioning but um i yeah i hope more people women step out and um uh, talk about it and if let's find the truth and let's get rid of some of these guys that are you know these abusers and and predators and and let's clean up the locker rooms in the business
2: and i have a feeling uh this is just the uh, the beginning prob- probably
0: yeah uh so But the thing is too there's there's so many stuff that happened in the old days oh yeah oh yeah i mean but i mean it's i i I applaud people for what they're doing but there's i see i don't know these some people are are joining the cause joining the cause because they're because they like the girls you know what i mean like they're fans of the girls but like these are also the same people that would like laugh and joke about these old stories about stuff mm-hmm. you know what i mean too mm-hmm. in the past too like these wild you're, talk, and, you're, you're talking about the people who are like retweeting these stories and and yeah yeah it's just it's a really sensitive subject right now but i
2: just you know. fandom fandom and idolization in general is just weird and you know we we've kind of joked in the past about women's wrestling and how You will have uh, a lot of male fans who sort of want to be this protector of the female wrestler, their favorite female wrestler, when at the end of the day, the female wrestler, you know, it it just they they just see this person as a fan. They're nothing special. They're just they're just a cool fan. Oh, you keep buying my gear. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Mm -hmm. you. And like that's fandom in a nutshell. But a lot of the the male fans who are just obsessed with women's wrestling, it seems they take it to an extreme sometimes. And I could definitely see what you're saying when it comes to that.
0: Oh yeah, like I've seen people post, but I, you know the you know wrestlers are workers too. So I've seen people post like, oh, I love Starbucks and at autograph sessions. People give them Starbucks mm-hmm, gift cards and mm-hmm. that stuff just just blows my mind. Like I've you seen know, the I've seen the Amazon list stuff. Yeah, just just. You know, and then I've seen, I've seen, the, I've been in locker rooms and where these women afterwards, you know, just like a rock concert or any kind of sport, like, you know, like I said, entertain that, that kind of throw themselves. You oh, know. yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say the person's name, but I'll, let's say he was an extreme superstar. <laughs> and um, <laughs> we had him on a show down south. I'm not going to say where, because people, just, people start. Google, yeah, they're going to go to cage, um, cage Match website. Yeah, and <laughs> I just remember these 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 girls, they were a fan of this guy. And they literally, like, this is before the show started. This is like where you just got there. Everyone's getting their gear, putting their gear on. And I just remember seeing these, I saw them. And they were there for a specific person. And this one girl said, I'm just here to, you know, to have sex with you. And he proceeded to close the, the <laughs> close the office door that because he was a quote unquote superstar, he had his – well,
2: it was a small locker special room, special lock. He got the special room. The special it
0: was a, it was a, it was you know any wrestling, so it was a spe, it was a smaller locker room. So you know he he saw like shoot, you know it's butt on butt in here, right? To get you mm-hmm. know, so he got moved to a different area, and literally he just you know they just had sex and. Went on the merit. She watched the show, and you know, and thirty seconds later, they came out of the room. It was, it, was, it was just like, wow! Like you just, just, just you just throw yourself out there like that, you know? Yeah, and, and and you know, I want to make sure that people know that you're not
2: saying that that was not consensual, or that you're comparing oh, no, women, no, who no, do no, that to the ones who are speaking out. Like I, you're just saying that the the fandom and the fanatical. Yes. Fans, you know, they they can definitely show that behavior, which kind of drives the celebrity. Like it, it by it, you know, it, it it increases the, the I don't know the, gender quoi or
0: whatever whatever it is about about fandom. And, and then I, I can, can see happen. like that twisting a person's mind. Like I can if I can get this so easily, everyone should should be you know. And it's just it's just a whole wormhole of just just a uh, just it just leads to all this negative it's negative it's just it's just crazy i mean uh, i just hope it like i said everything you know these people find peace and um the people that are that are the predators get get um what's coming to them if, if it's true so yeah
2: okay so a quick topic i don't want to stay on this topic very long but i did want to ask you about it because and and We'll We'll go to break right after this, and then we'll come back and and just have, you know the, the rest of the show. But so the backlash show happened last weekend. Mm-hmm. In the main event was Edge and Randy Orton in a really, really good match. I really enjoyed that match. And we knew that the match was taped, and we knew that the match was edited. That did not take my appreciation away from that match but after that match and the news came out that there were actual um takes right like so th- mm-hmm. I, from what i understand i now i'm not hundred percent sure i'm sure when we get our observer you know sometime tonight all the information will be in there but from what i understand they ran through the match after the match was over then they went back to reshoot certain segments of the match that maybe weren't as smooth or didn't get over the the thing that they wanted to get over as well. Now, from your background as a pro wrestling fan, and you know we've talked about this on numerous occasions, you know, Call it in the ring, psychology, um, you know, working certain, you know, old school style. Like, when you heard that, did it take anything away from the match from your perspective?
0: No. I mean, I really liked the match. When I, I when I watched it, I knew it was taped ahead of time. I didn't know how much was edited. But I do know, like, during this, you know, definitely during this pandemic era of these shows, where they're with taping ahead of time, that I do know that this is what's happening a lot of times, right? They... You know, and and they have the full right to do it, right? They have time to go around and fix something. It's something, but I I don't think they're actually
2: having them redo stuff. I think they're definitely editing to to mm-hmm. you know to maybe take a different camera angle or take out something really bad. They're definitely doing that. But historically, WWE TV tapings, D- WWE SmackDown, this is they've mm-hmm. been doing this forever. Yeah, um, because it's a TV product. But this other piece of it, which is. Okay, uh Randy, um that uh that move you just did, can we do it again? Like I don't know, I mean, I don't maybe it's been done in the past. I I can't think of a time when it's been done. That is a different level of the art form. That's more movie mm-hmm. or TV show than it is kind
0: of calling it in the ring or, yeah. you know, doing it in the ring. Which to me is funny because these guys I think they would just have an equally great match without edits and takes and redoing stuff. Honestly, maybe things won't be as clean as they did. Cause there's some stuff that looked just, everything kind of came off really well, obviously when I was oh, watching, yeah. I'm like, wow. oh yeah. And you know, like, like, like edges, uh, um, you know, he off the second rope into the, into the RKO was like perfectly timed. And I think and, that was, de- I think that I heard that that was one yeah. of the things that they reshot. And usually Randy has great timing on that. Right. So, I wouldn't so I wasn't like too surprised I just like wow I was just per- perfect and you know did, did it I mean like I said I didn't really I knew they was take ahead head time I probably I do know that things like that happen where they you know they I mean it's not just this match like it's, it's happened before that you know that they will edit, you know, or not edit, but, you know, redo stuff to, if they didn't, to their liking. And, and it's their prerogative to do that. And I know, but I, I prefer stuff just being organic and going in the ring and feeling it out. But, but this is a definitely a different time. Now, if we were in the pandemic era and this was out in front of, you know, you know, 10,000 fans, you know, they, they wouldn't be doing this. I mean, I know SmackDown has gone out and done finishes, but like I'm t- not, most of everything's live now, right? It was live now before, so yeah it's just this just time right now it's okay it's interesting well, though one uh, one other thing about
2: this that I didn't even really think about until uh just the other day when I was kind of like thinking about like how do how do I want to broach this subject with you? If you're Randy or edge, you know that this match is being taped, and you know that if you screw anything up, they're going to have you reshoot it anyways is there a different mentality going into this match when you know, all of the stuff can be fixed, than say main eventing WrestleMania where it's live and
0: there's, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the you, you know that if you screw up, like it's really bad. I kind of get a, a sense that both probably don't want to really edit everything. You know, I, I don't, at least I get that from Orton. Maybe edge is more open to it, but I, for Orton, I can see him not really being too high on it, but, you know, he's a, a company employee, so he's going to do what they tell him. But, you know, especially his recent Twitter conversation or, you know, jabs at Tommaso Ciampa with the leg slaps. <laughs> so, and mean he, he, he does the this. Puns. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. So it's, it's wrestling so funny. <laughs> it is. But yeah, it's, you know, the thing you think about stuff too in the past, like, you know, everyone talks about one of the greatest matches of WrestleMania history Randy Savage versus Rick Steamboat, right? And I love that match. I know you love that match. And of course, millions of people do. But like a Rick Steamboat, is not a, ha- a fan of that match himself because it was macho man had everything laid out right yep. from move to every move to the, you know, to the, every bump to every cell. And, you know, they, he wanted to practice and practice and practice and practice it, you know, and, but does that hurt my opinion of the match? No, you know, but I'm a big proponent of, I think matches are better when you go out there and call the ring. I, I think it's scary for young wrestlers on the independent scene to do it, but I think once they do it and they do it a few times and sure they're going to have some, <laughs> they're going to have some moments of, it's not going to work out right. But I think once you start doing that and getting that experience, it just helps you. It just, it just helps you. And then when you do this. And then when you do a, a TV production, like, you know, in the WWE or AEW and there's a moment that goes awry, you know, from what you have planned, you won't be scared just to just to correct yourself, you know, take a breather, grab a hold and then start again. Like, you know, I, that, 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 that's what will prepare you, prepare you for that. And we used to cheat at APW. We used to have the guys, you know, go out there and try to call, you know, in the ring. I said like, I used to be so old school. that I, when I see guys going matches in the ring, I just kind of like, Oh God. And it was like cool to see the guys who didn't, I always had just a little extra respect for them. Mm-hmm. And, um, but you know, now it's just so common right now. It's like, well, because I mean, if you work with a,
2: a wrestler or a or a tag team who needs to go through mm-hmm. with that stuff before the match, then you're kind of stuck doing it, even if you don't want to do it.
0: Oh, yeah. There's sometimes it all depends too. Like who's the who's going to be calling the match? Who's going to be leading it? And yeah, certain wrestlers. That's how they do it. I mean, I remember AJ Styles is like that, when I first saw him. Um, he came to APW for a show versus my friend JJ Perez, who I wrote the article. Mr. Wrestling Forum. This was when JJ; was just JJ Perez. And you know Styles was him going. And JJ doesn't call doesn't call things ahead of time. JJ's opposite. He he's the guy that just waits in the locker room. They call they talk about a couple things. They have a finish and they go out there. Mm-hmm. But with AJ, since he's you know the star, the established guy, he's going to listen to him. So there's JJ out in the middle of the ring, and there's the, AJ's like okay AJ okay okay JJ you won me too like that's all they were talking mm-hmm. you know like and it, it, and it just kept going over it going over it going over it and just you know he... it was just it's just it was interesting and I remember JD be like yeah that's kind of weird <laughs> yeah.
2: uh, okay we're gonna move on first we're gonna go to a break but I I, I kind of buried the lead here because this show started out with such a serious topic and I, I didn't I, I wanted to make sure I didn't forget but um at the end, at the end of this show, we have an interview with Jeff Cobb, someone who you are very close to, mm-hmm. and and so that is something you know. I, I think it's it's a very interesting look at Jeff. I, I always kind of, you know, I, I love to say this, but I'm I'm pretty sure like I was one of his first podcasts ever, so that's kind of cool. Especially as as he um, as he continues to to grow in his career, and we, we talked to him about that. It, obviously, it was pre taped. I don't want to pretend like it was live or add that it is live but um you know so we'll have that in a, in, in a second uh, after we go through some of the rest of this show but uh, before that let's talk about uh, our friends at bet online so there is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners betonline.ag sports are slowly making their way back and Bet Online is leading the way with the best odds and lines for UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And soon, the NBA will be on its way back. They they have uh, quite the plan to get together, including a ring that the players will wear that basically is like their like their their uh, what do they call it at Disneyland where you uh, you have like the pass to get on the ride, so you you stand in line, whatever that is, like this is like their pass everywhere and it it's it's they have to wear this ring and it can predict if they're gonna get if they're gonna fail a coronavirus test all kinds of crazy stuff nba is gonna be back mlb not so sure yet um but uh looking for something else other than sports bet online has hundreds of casino games poker tournaments and prop bets to check out visit betonline.ag and use promo code bluewire for a free welcome bonus that's one word blue wire bet online your online wagering experts. one other thing about bet online is if you do sign up uh, for an account and you don't even necessarily have to place bets i th- I think in order to get this, but they send you some emails, so like you know if if you're kind of wondering like oh, I wonder if they have odds on this or on that like you'll you'll get some emails from them too, which I find very helpful because you know i'm I'm kind of betting on uh, UFC stuff this year, so you know
0: when, the, when those lines come out then you get you'll get emails from them i, I hope they have uh you could bet on if the major league baseball owners are going to encounter with 70 games <laughs> and are the, are the players union going to encounter with 75 games so you got you got to figure out what numbers you're going to encounter with that's oh, what yeah. i I want to bet on oh yeah the the the
2: owners and the players at major league baseball they i think i think like i feel like the owners um they probably don't like baseball that much. <laughs> like, they're just like, I, you know, we, we, we'd rather have less games.
0: Let, you know, let's just get to the playoffs. The playoffs is all that count anyways. Who cares? I feel like this is a, a pissing contest where the two guys pissing are facing each other. And they're just, they're, instead of, no one's winning the game, just everyone's just pissing on each other. And it's not work. And, and, and nothing's, gonna, nothing's good coming out of this. are going to come out of this. This is so horrible because this is a sport I just truly love. And it's another black mark against it. Every single work stoppage has hurt baseball to the
2: public and has lessened the fan base. And yet, they they they're not worried about that thing. Because like, oh, you know, they'll come back. And you know, thanks to the steroid era, mm-hmm. they they did come back in 1998. They have the the document, uh, the thirty for thirty on uh, Sammy and uh, and Big Mac. That's out there on ESPN, which, which I haven't watched it, but I still, I definitely want to watch. But it's just like, come on, guys! Like you've already fallen behind both the NFL and the NBA when it comes to popularity, and you're just continuing to uh, to make mistakes that cause your popularity to fall even more. Even though, like you, I'm a, I'm a diehard fan, so I will never go away. But I just, I, it, it frustrates me when they when they do stuff like this because they're just ruining the fan you know the the fans are the ones that 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 uh get punished right you know at the ultimately so okay so uh before we get to our AEW and NXT reviews I uh, want to quickly ask you about the fourth episode of the last ride and whether or not you liked it as much or maybe more or maybe less than uh, the other
0: episodes that we've seen so far um i liked it i liked it i thought it was uh it was shorter right it felt really short like i think it's like 48 minutes compared to the other ones a little longer uh, i thought it was good i you know same a lot of the same stuff too though with you know undertaker i was really curious about that gold goldberg match right like the because and it just was unfortunate that Dan goldberg concussed himself and it just fell off the rails i know like you could just his disappointment, you know, Undertaker's disappointment in that match because he really had a stinker with the tag match and he wanted to come back and make up for it. And, and, um, that, the stuff that was interesting was the, the WrestleMania where he's not booked. WrestleMania, um, in New York where we were, we were at that WrestleMania. Oh, I, think, I didn't go to WrestleMania, but we we're at that WrestleMania weekend. And that gave me the feels of that great weekend, that great week. Oh, yeah. That was fun. That was a really fun weekend. And, um, like him not being booked and like talking to everyone yeah not, you know just not feels weird not being booked like you can just tell it's just eating him alive and then that story of uh they want him for robbie he didn't bring his gear which which is an amazing thing he didn't bring his gear because that's you know the cardinal sin right and he had to fly back to texas to get it and then come all the way back on that trip like just to do the raw run-in and um, it was interesting. I I enjoyed it. I don't, I don't know. What you think about it? I've had so many issues with this
2: series. The things that I like the best about it, and they they showed a lot of this, which is happy, chuckling Vince McMahon, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this is a version of Vince that we don't often see. We usually see him as Mr. McMahon and we hear about some of the negative things about him that we don't like, but chuckling Vince and undertaker, they have really fun chemistry together. And they're like, you know, they're, they're, they're like the, uh, I, w- I would love to see a WWE network, um, you know, thing of this, just them doing stuff together. Like, uh, oh, undertaker and Vince McMahon, you know, go to the football game or something like that, you know, cause they're so fun together. Um, and they, you know, they have great camaraderie. You can tell Undertaker really likes him uh, and you can tell that Vince really likes Mark as well. Like there's, there's real joy between the two of them. Um, the thing that I didn't like is they're really hitting us over the head with this thing of like, Oh, how many? How many times in this series has Undertaker said, "If that's the last time, I'm
0: glad it. I went out that way, right? I'm telling you, man. They're building up. They're building up to his final hurrah match with. But uh, at, I'm guessing it's at, gonna be AJ again. But at, but but we know, like like we were. We've been watching. We know
2: that. The, uh, the the Saudi match wasn't his last match. We know that the match with John Cena at WrestleMania uh, 34 wasn't his last match. We know all these things because the only people who watch the WWE Network are hardcore WWE fans. This is not like they're putting this out on like CBS in prime time and hoping to pull a casual fan. We know all of this stuff doesn't happen, so that part doesn't tug at my heartstrings at all because I'm like... Dude, I just watched you wrestle, you know uh, on this extreme rules show. like I know you didn't retire, so I don't like that part. Um, the other part that I didn't like is uh I feel like they this this thing could have this story probably could have been told in a one ninety minute documentary, and they're just stretching the shit out of it mm-hmm. in this same episode. They had stone cold Steve Austin in two different parts of this film probably 30 minutes apart do the line about father time. He did it twice. <laughs> two different times. I was like was once not enough and then Undertaker mentions father time as well. I'm like okay like I get it. Like he he we can see we can visually see the Undertaker being at the end. The 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 him taking that jackhammer uh, on the back of his head like that tells us in a visual that this is
0: not going well right it didn't you know what's funny about that jackhammer it didn't look as it looked bad because it could have been bad right like he was you know luckily he was still tucked he fell look like i know he fell higher on his head but it looked like he fell on his shoulder blades more um it i mean michelle mccool i i you know her texting the doctor right away you know um i'm sure she texted him right away but i mean i think it was one of those like um seeing like a big like a move like like Damien priest you know going up the going off the uh edge of the apron oh yeah and hitting his lower back like that's like a oh, oh god like that was scary <laughs> So, when I see that, when I saw that, it was like, oh, God, I was scared that could have been so bad, right? But yeah. luckily, he, you know, that's why I kind of take it. But they're they're really trying to focus on, wow, man, he was, you know, I'm sure his back did get wrenched, you know, and, and stuff like that. But it was, it was like, you know, it was interesting how they kind of sold that. Do but you yeah, like remember, I said, it's a work within a work. You got to understand yeah, yeah, that, too. Yeah, totally. Right? Do you remember watching that match? Yeah, we, I, you know, that, I remember watching that work because it was during the
2: daytime. And, and, and we talked about it on, on this show. Mm-hmm, yeah the the thing that i think the reason why i think it was so scary is cuz we had we were we had realized that Goldberg was not right yeah right so you're like oh no like this dude is not right and they're trying to go through this match and he himself is dinged up and he probably doesn't even really know what he's doing here so that's what made it scary and i think the thing that that made it scary to me is, you know, we've seen what a jackhammer looks like, you know, get Undertaker straight up vertical, Undertaker bends his leg. I mean, uh, gets his legs out straight. That's how you take it. That's how we know he'll get the momentum to turn into it. But the fact that Taker's legs were like still bent and like, he didn't even get a chance to go up. It just looked like hell with Goldberg, but okay. So we have Goldberg. Now I I imagine... That he was probably in no mood, no fashion to talk after being dinged up in that match. But can we talk to him after the fact? Because we have this documentary doing the Undertaker. You just dropped the dude on his head. You're still working for us. You're wrestling, uh, you know Bray Wyatt at uh, at at WrestleMania, or not Bray Wyatt? Um, uh, Strowman, right? Yeah. You're wrestling Strowman at WrestleMania, so you're still... Like, can we get his 10-second
0: thought on, on what just happened so that... Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't talk to me there. Yeah, so... And one thing I kind of like, too, is like, when I see Goldberg go right... I remember this when it happened, too. I was like, when I see Goldberg go right to that post and ding himself up and knock himself loopy, this is not the first time he did this. No. <laughs> Why does he keep doing this? Why does he keep doing this? <laughs> Why can't he take a corner correctly a post, you know, like shoot, Road Warrior Hawk was, you know, on everything and he can easily go through it and wrap his arm around it and, and be fine, man. But Goldberg, my goodness gracious.
2: Uh the last thing um that I'll say about this, uh there there was one piece of sort of I uh, if you want to say it, like they're trying to shoot a little bit, which is the whole star cast thing. Yeah, that and was so, interesting. If you remember the story uh, the Undertaker creates a Twitter account. It's like, what? What's going on here? Is this fake? <laughs> and then um, Conrad Thompson says that he has the Undertaker, and that it is official, and that his lawyers have looked at this, and uh, you know that they, they they can't, they won't get him to back out. Like, he'll be there. And then it's the talk of the town, and several. I don't, I don't remember the time frame, but then. Undertaker's pulled from the from the StarCast. He also had another one in the UK um, that he was going to do as well. And there may have been others. And so The Undertaker, the way that he described this was, you know, they know me, WWE, you know, the, there's not going to be any confusion. I'm not going to be working for another company. They know this is the... If I use The Undertaker, like they know... And like he like that is a a complete fallacy. They he and WWE were not seeing eye to eye, and Undertaker was definitely using this as a leverage play because, like, okay, like if you don't think I'm of value, I will go do this other stuff, and then you'll see like how and WWE finally was like, okay, like we can't let this happen. In no way was WWE ever gonna let him do anything outside of their own. Uh, fan conventions so for him to say that I think I thought it was a a lot disingenuous and he's definitely not telling that story they definitely didn't want that story to be told but he flexed his muscles used his leverage and then re-signed with them for like 15
0: years or something like that so Mm -hmm. that part I was just like okay like I I don't buy this at all Um, it's just but I'm enjoying this documentary just because seeing the behind the curtain stuff with Undertaker and, um, I, I never was never like the biggest undertaker fan, but I liked him as a person just because I don't know if I ever told you the story, but you know, I had met him before. Oh yeah. Um, it was like in 1997 for big time wrestling. This is back when, you know, me and this uh, other gentleman were running around at the independent <laughs> shows and, <laughs> and we were like filming stuff. Um, or, 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 you know, I don't know if you ever, you know, Mike Lano, right? Yes. He's like you guys should come and meet the Undertaker and, and bring your camera. We're gonna film an interview with him, right? And we're like, okay, yeah, let's do it, right? So we get there and we're in this, we're setting up and everything, like the, the just you know, Undertaker. And in comes Undertaker, but what happens is, is not he's not there for us or Mike Lano, right? <laughs> of course, right? Mike Lano's just making stuff up, but he's there because the promoter Kirk White. Was having a private meeting with him and a, a family friend who has a son who's who's uh, you know, mentally challenged. And Undertaker gave him so much time, like and like talk about. He talked about everything. in the, he was a, he was a champion. He was, the, he was the world champion at the time. He was the WWE champion, and he had him hold the belt. And he talked to him. And you know they took many pictures, and he and he just told them how much he's thank you for supporting. Like he was so awesome, and it wasn't rushed, like because he had a huge line to go to do these autograph with. Because you know Kirk White had a relationship with WWF, so he got a lot of the guys, and this was one of his biggest, obviously The Undertaker. And so there was a long line out there, and time was passing, but Undertaker, no, he's giving one hundred percent to this young man, and that was I will never ever forget that, and. I was just, I didn't say, I just said hi to him and that was it. <laughs> but, and I was not like upset that I didn't, I didn't get a chance to hang out and talk to him. I was just happy to witness something like that, you know, cause it was amazing. So I would always have that kind of special place in my heart for Mark Calloway, I guess. Cause he really made that day and it's the mom's crying, the dad's crying. Like I'm like, you know, me. i'm I'm fighting back back tears because it's such a great moment and i love when athletes do that so no and you know
2: if um wwe is just really good about that right like that is one thing that if you want to say you know we can say uh, as many things as we want about them but the one thing that they do do is they give back to fans in that way you know john cena uh hogan uh, I'm sure uh, you know during the Attitude Era, all those guys who were so popular were in, probably in demand. Uh, taker included. So yeah, that that stuff is always cool. And when when you want to give them the benefit of the doubt, you, that's that's one of the ways is that they're just awesome at that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so uh, I guess the other thing I wanted to ask you, <laughs> the term Triple H uses in this show, I think he's used it a couple times already. The term that he uses to basically say that The Undertaker cannot stop wrestling is chasing the dragon. And the only time I've heard that term has to do with heroin. Marijuana. Or, or marijuana.
0: I, I thought drugs, whatever, right? Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Is that a term that people use in the business when you can't let it go and it's you just have to keep... Or is Triple H just turning something in, into
0: this? I, I want to... I mean, I haven't heard it that used for for anything wrestling. I've heard... uh you know, wrestling's your number one mistress, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of times. And, um, you know, that's your first love. You know, you can never cheat on... You'll always cheat on wrestling, I guess. Like, I always, always hear that kind of stuff. And... um, it's it, Yeah, so, yeah, Chase the Dragon was pretty, pretty funny. I actually like Sean in these, personally. like Because, like, Sean seems very, like, at peace with retiring. Even though I know he came back for that match. But, like, mm-hmm. you know, for, he's at peace. Like, he really... Articulated well, like you know, you have to like, you really have to look at yourself, or look at that painting. you talked about that painting, right? I thought that was a great, great, a great scene. Like talk about the painting, appreciate that painting, but then you've been working on it for your whole career, and now it's done, and now you just need to sign it and walk away and appreciate it, right? I thought that was like really beautiful.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, the, it's just I, I when I hear the term chasing the dragon, I think heroin addiction. <laughs> And if Triple H is really trying to compare Mark Calloway to having a heroin addiction to the wrestling business, I'm just like, whoa, like this guy may, may need to retire. We need we may need to get him out of here before he destroys himself.
0: Well, I, yeah, I, but I think it's a sad thing, though, because wrestling's unlike football or baseball, right? There's a time you're going to they're going to stop, right? but wrestling because it's so predetermined and you can there's smoke smoking mirrors and you can protect guys longer they can stay in it longer and it's like they just do you know they just they just, they just keep going back and like and like it's hard to finish your career out like, especially a guy like that he wants to have a moment where it's going to be something epic when he does retire and so um you know like sean did you know sean was able to do that and like it was kind of interesting when he he mentioned that Every time they talked, he would always say, "I should have, I should have, I should have went out with you." With yeah, I <laughs> Which I thought I'm was kidding. that was interesting. You know, I thought that was interesting, interesting way to put it. But I'm, I'm, I'm saying, I'm, I'm telling you, I think this is a work within a work. Right? They're going to build up to really the final Undertaker match at WrestleMania, but they're probably going to wait till there's actually people in the audience for this. And I, I really want to see a normal match in AJ and Undertaker. You know, okay, was but, but this ends with Boneyard. Yeah, next weekend. So or this weekend. This so, weekend. Yeah, Sunday. Father's Day. Father's Day, yeah. So
2: so if they're if they were going to set up his last run, then you would presume that you start to see something from him mm-hmm. fairly soon after. But like you said,
0: we don't even know if there's gonna be fans. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Maybe they hope that we show this. He's not on TV forever, right? Until, until, this is all done, and hopefully they're hoping by next year to tw- you know, start of twenty twenty one that there'll be fans at Rumble again. You can start doing the whole Road to WrestleMania stuff, and you know, then people are like, oh man, they haven't seen our ticket for, an all of a sudden, boom, he shows up again, and that's like, oh man. What if, what they- if, what if what if the idea
2: is instead of AJ, he's got to get his win back against Brock.
0: Ugh. I don't know if I want to see that match. I love their match, like not 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 the one in the the, well, the, ended, the one in WrestleMania wasn't great, but they
2: had ones after that that were actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. There, yeah, there was it, there was a Hell in a Cell match that was
0: pretty good. Their first Hell in a Cell match was freaking awesome. That yeah, one there, but yeah. So um, I don't know. I think it needs to be a guy like AJ, someone that's really gonna bump around. Like, you know, like AJ's, you know, like he's a modern day Shawn Michaels man. He's such a great talent. Like. Like someone that's going to really, really put Mark over and give him the the big bombs and go be there for him for what he needs. And, you know, that I think a guy like that would be best. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I
2: agree with you, but I just think it'd be a nice sort of poetic justice. The guy who breaks your streak at WrestleMania and then you. You you go out by avenging that loss and fading off into the sunset. I I just think that's a better story. I mean, you're right. The match will be better
0: with AJ though. Yeah, yeah. Because because to me it seems like he wants a great match, right? And Brock has really good matches, but I just I just think I just think he if he wants a great one, it's going to be a, 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 an athlete the cowboy, like AJ Styles. So,
2: okay, let's uh, let's talk about let's change gears here and let's talk about our Wednesday Wednesday night shows. Uh, Last week, we tried something new where we kind of give a couple of things that we liked, a couple things that we didn't like on each show, rather than like trying to break down the entire show. Uh, So let's uh, start with AEW, and I will say I did not love this show. It it, it existed, and it was fine. I did not love it. Um, I'll start with The Good, and I think my favorite thing about this show is uh ricky starks debuted and when i watched uh, nwa power for the short time i went through like a few months of, of nwa power shows he was the one that stood out where i was like okay like he's not big but he should be somebody on the radar of bigger bigger companies now if nwa power was able to you know kind of make its make its way in into the big 2 or whatever then then he would be a guy that they could actually build around but you know that didn't happen it it still may happen but it looks like Ricky Starks is now signed with AEW based off of this match that he had with Cody I thought it was a, I thought it was a good match I thought it was a really good debut I know some people will say like you know well he still lost to Cody but you know I I, I I'm I'm okay with that like he like he could have he could have come in and had a had a match with another good wrestler and beat that person and and that would have been cool but I, I i like the way that they did this like Cody is kind of with that tNT title he's he's sort of the standard bearer for the worker the babyface worker champion and you know the guy came in and he went toe to toe with Cody and had a good match I really liked it
0: yeah, yeah, it's on my list too of uh, what I liked about the show. Um, great signing, I like Ricky Stark. He was one of the highlights of NBA power. Right, he felt fresh and new and young. He can talk, um, uh, carried himself really well in there. You know, you know, a good worker. And I thought, I thought it was, it was a great way to debut him. Yeah, he didn't win, but he didn't need to win this match. He just needed to be really competitive with Cody. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure. Like he's already signed before he did this match, you know. But I'm, i gonna say it's a great way to debut, guy. So I, 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 I really like. There's, I, I really, I really. This is definitely one of the highlights for me. This, I mean, this
2: is Big Dave's comment on Wrestling Observer Radio was that they obviously brought him in with the possibility of signing him, and they liked the match so much that halfway through, they pretty much decided they were signing him, and they were already thinking of of storylines for him Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's that's dave's story from uh from wrestling observer radio from last night
0: i think too like you you knew at the end of power like he was a standout so i mean being a free agent now they probably said yeah let's just scoop this guy up because you know i'm sure wwe would have took him too as well Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. okay so there were uh there were three
2: long tag team matches on this show are we doing
0: dislikes? So, no, so I'm
2: finding the things that I liked in two of those tag team matches weren't, which were actually not the matches themself, themselves. I wanted QT to like have this like crazy good performance in the opener because... You know they're doing this thing with uh, Ali and him, and it's it's not really explained. And I don't know how she goes from the butcher and the blade to just being in the crowd and all of a sudden hitting on this guy. And now it's his girl. Obviously, I think most people think she's turning on him at some point, but I don't give a crap if she turns or not because I'm not invested in their storyline at all, like in in any way. Mm-hmm. So may, maybe her thing is going to be she's going to prove that she is into him, and maybe that's the the twist. But i was a little disappointed because i don't think he had a great match like i thought this was going to be his ability to like ooh, like this guy you know maybe this tag team could actually do something but the match wasn't as good as i wanted except the thing that i really loved about his performance was the timing of his dropkick? Like, I really, like, I thought that was such a great moment in the match. And it really, you know, the match didn't really, to me, I know a lot of people like this match. To me, it didn't really live up to what I was hoping, which was like that Dustin and QT were gonna become like this really, really good team, this working team. And this was a great opportunity for them because it was the opening match on this show. A little bit disappointed in that, but I still, I really loved that drop kick. And I was like, man, if they just could have capitalized on some of these good moments in the match,
0: it would have been so much better. But it, it wasn't as good as I was hoping. You know what it is? It's the fact that you know they're not going to beat Omega and Paige. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's part of it too. And it and i thought the match was a good match i just thought it was is way too long i don't think it needed to be as long it, it yeah, well dustin might have got bonked for real right yeah it looked like yeah definitely definitely during that uh, when he was when uh page was doing that flip over and yeah they definitely got bonked in the head and i, I like that they showed the replay of that you know that stuff they didn't just pass that by that, that, that was cool um but at, the match was too long for me um but I like you know I like QT's QT's work. He's a good he's a good he's a good talent. He's a good trainer. Um, you know AEW needs to get better when they do stuff on dark to actually show highlights of why this is happening. Like just for a person that doesn't watch dark like myself or BTE like you know all of a sudden like she was with Butch and the Blade and she was Bunny. Now she's at ringside with QT Marshall flirting with him right mm-hmm. so. So yeah, they need to get better at that kind of stuff because I mean I did like I didn't like the fact that they included the dark results on yes, the show yes out on the lower third that was that was cool I like that and,
2: and now I'm not sure if it would work like Mandy and Otis where they go on dates and he's kind of gaga over her I don't know if that would necessarily work on this show but at at the very least because WWE can be. Over the top with some of this stuff to prove their point, we knew Otis was head over heels in love with Mandy Rose, and that played out, and that's part part of why fans were so happy when she did like him back, right is because he was so he so wanted to be with her mm-hmm. now. I haven't seen a lot of personality from either Ally or QT to show that they even like each other that much. So I'm I'm just not invested, and in, and maybe the maybe they will change that. Maybe that's happening, like you said, on Dark or on BTE. I don't know because I don't watch those shows. But I would I, I wish uh, I wish I could be a little bit more into this. But there hasn't been a lot of explanation, and. Even if the announcers say something, I know our buddy uh, Paul Fontaine is is really bothered by Jr. already calling her like a Jezebel, like because she hasn't done anything yet, and Jr. is kind of like, you know, already saying stuff like that. But you know, I, 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 the one thing you you can give credit to WWE about this, they're gonna over the top sell. What they want you to understand, mm-hmm. and they're gonna beat it into your head, and they're gonna replay it to death, so that you know where they want to go. Here, it's so subtle that I just don't care.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think they have like an idea; they just don't know how to execute it fully, right? Like even this match at the end, like Ali jumps on to the the rampway. For something's that you think something's gonna happen, you're that, that's waiting.
2: It, that, that's it, that's gonna be in my bad. I, I will have a, a little comment about that too. <laughs> so I'm just, frustrating. And, and this is
0: nothing happens. She's just up there looking like a goofball. Yes. You know. So yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I get it. All right. And what what was your next uh, thing that you liked? I liked. Okay. Well, I really liked the debut of, and I've, I hope I don't say her name wrong. Abaddon. Abaddon. Yeah. I like that they're – I thought it was very creative, not just her character, her, her really freakish, living, dead, zombie gimmick, which I thought she really did a great job. I've I never seen her before, so this was the first time I've seen her, and I really I really dug it. And I like the – they did stuff that I like to do as a booker, like lead people one way, and then you're just going to throw a, a, a little bit of a curveball – like I like that they're focusing on Anna J and they're giving her they're giving her a vignette and a little personality profile, and you think okay this is her showcase right, but out comes this zombie girl and she destroys her, and now you're like holy cow who is that right? I wish I, I enjoy Jr Tony and Excalibur when they're in, on the comment. I mean I I but they just kind of just talk sometimes. Mm-hmm. Instead of like really getting into it and be like, oh my god, this is this is crazy. This girl's you know unstoppable. What is this? And you know blah blah blah. It's kind of just like they're kind of like the side talking. You know you know and- what it is is
2: Jr. and Tony are bigger stars than the wrestlers that they're talking mm-hmm. about, and so it's like if if you were uh, you know if 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 you're Jr and you're talking about somebody who you don't even know who it is, and I I don't know how much research JR is doing on some of these wrestlers, but if you don't know who it is and you're like, oh, Abaddon, what am I supposed to – like, he, he is not uh, – he doesn't seem like – if he was part of the creative team or if he was part of bringing Abaddon – into the company like like with WWE right like there were specific people that he brought into the company and he was so he was trying to get these guys over so much because he had a little bit you know he could get in you know he could probably get in trouble if these guys didn't get over now he's so like he's so famous and he's kind of big-timing everybody because there's no there's no reason for him to really care that much and that is definitely a problem with his announcing
0: yeah, I just thought they really could have sunk their teeth into this and really got this over. Um, but I, but I like I enjoyed what what how they laid it out because, like I said, I'm I'm excited to see Anna J. Um, you know, people are really high on her after her original debut on Dynamite during the Georgia tapings, and and then they did this, and I, I like that style of booking. I, I enjoy that. I enjoy that a lot. All right, my next thing is again. I didn't really
2: love this tag team match i didn't hate it either but um the young bucks against uh havoc and sabian we've talked about havoc from here you know i i may need to just like try and erase my memory of of him so that i this isn't liked this isn't liked but i'll I'll tell you what i'll tell you what part that i liked Uh so this match if it was in front of the APW crowd or an independent crowd, I thought this match would have worked great in front of fans. Without having fans, I was just like, this match is just too long. I can't wait for it to be over. And I love the Young Bucks. What I did like is the post-match because I like the fact that they're kind of playing one-upsmanship with the Young Bucks and ftr where it's like even if i have to like kind of work with you here i I need to match you this is like uh michael jordan and and larry bird uh shooting for the mcdonald's uh hamburger or whatever where they had to one-up each other in the game of horse like Mm -hmm. it's like okay you can do this well i can do this too and I like that aspect to whatever their feud is going to become. They're not, I don't, I don't think they're, I don't know if they're wrestling at Fighter Fest. I, I don't think so. But, you know, whatever this long feud is going to be, I like the aspect of this is my home turf. I'm holding court. You're a newcomer. And the newcomer comes in and goes, well, we're better than you. So here's how we show it. And I, I like that like mono
0: imano stuff that they're doing with these teams. Yeah, yeah, this was not on my like list uh, another, I just, just another long tag match that shouldn't be that long Because the story of the match is that the Young Bucks are just way ahead um, Level-wise of Kip Saban and Jimmy Havoc, right? They're like one step ahead, they're just goofing off they're, There's no competition for them for in the early part And it just goes forever, you know And poor Kip Saban, even in this match, has to be treated like a goofball a, you know a lot of times it's just like runs at he runs at him, and I think it was it Nick just sticks his hand out, and he, you know did you remember that in the beginning like he just kinda and laughs at him and then keeps goes falling down it's just <laughs> poor Kip man, I mean, I think he has something there i I just you know I just don't think they're really happening yeah i i think I think he's going to be good as well, look if
2: he's in a different feud, he could be where Sammy Guevara is, right? But it's just the booking. Like, Sammy Guevara uh, is doing really well right now, so maybe he can't be exactly where Sammy Guevara is. But if you switch those guys' role, and Sammy Guevara is the one who's with the hot girl, and he's, like, the second act to the hot girl, he's he's uh, he's Mark Merrow to Sable. Like, yeah, then he could be hurt, too. And maybe, you know, if Kip was booked right, he could be different. But that's just not not what happened. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And from my... uh My third like, um, um, I like the, uh, I like the, I like the closing angle with the orange Cassie. That's that's my last one as well. Two, uh, two in a row for orange Cassie and me. So, um, I mean, I, I, I would have preferred it to be not this week, but next week just because, uh, go home. Yeah, the go home would have been perfect. And also because, you know, was a pretty good beatdown, though, last week with mm-hmm. the Orange Cassidy. You know, I like maybe he should have been taped up. His face should have been. I think he had, like, what, a big old black, you know, bandage. Like, maybe. Um, you sh- yeah. I, I always know about this story, but you shared this story on our Facebook group about Scott Steiner, mm-hmm. you know, uh, wanting to get punched in the face for real to make his black eye, right, look real, right? So something like that I mean, i'm not saying like have him get punched in the face but like you know do something to where he looks like he's marked up and beat up and his ribs are, his ribs are bruised and stuff and then and and i i enjoyed that jericho was taking a serious approach which orange cast I, you know i was and i was just nervous that during their face off he was going to do the slow kicks on jericho mm-hmm but no, he double legs. He starts punching Jericho. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I, that I like. I think Jericho's playing is really smart.
2: That that's that's my last one too. I I really liked it. Like I said, my prediction is that they do the highest quarter hour for uh, fighter fests as Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho. You know that story, main event one for night one. They, actually, they probably should. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the one thing that you mentioned uh, the Scott Steiner story. So. Uh, basically, I was reading an observer from 1989, and you remember this angle, which is Robin Green leads Scott Steiner into the limo, and then he gets jumped by Doom. Basically, uh, I, I I don't remember if this was on like Saturday, like the Saturday Show, World Championship Wrestling, or whatever. But that that was the angle to introduce Doom as Robin Green's team because she was previously with the Steiners as Rick Steiner's girl. And then she turned on, on Rick Steiner and Scott. And there was this whole thing about, you know, her or Missy, who's the one that's like the bad person on their team and so on. So to show you how much wrestling has changed, Mm -hmm. I'm reading this wrestling observer. Dave Meltzer writes that he had to turn the show off because the angle was so ridiculous and unbelievable and i'm thinking back i'm like gosh like i i'm trying to remember like what happened like what was so bad about it the thing that was bad to him was that it was being shot by cameramen and they let these like it was, it was basically like a crime like uh wrestlers committing a crime and not getting arrested for jumping this dude and the cameramen just watching and not doing anything and there's no urgency they're just shooting for the tv show he's like how fake is that? Like, I can't believe it. I had to turn off the show and Ric Flair had a good match later. And I still didn't watch it. Cause I was so frustrated. Like, T
0: was six stars, <laughs> talk, but talk about
2: how, how wrestling it, is different. Right. Yeah, from, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's been now 30 years, but it's just, it's just funny that, that, that was yeah. the, that was the idea back then. <laughs> but you, but, but the thing that you're talking about is from that brawl, they did an interview and, they were going to try and put a makeup shiner on Scott Steiner's eye. But the worry was that with the lighting and if he works up a sweat that the makeup starts running on him a little bit. So then it looks obviously it looks fake. So instead he told Rick to punch him directly in the eye so that it would close up for real and look
0: real on television. That's nuts. Well, I mean, it's not, and also, like you know, back in the day, they take sandpaper to their face, and you know, you know, they're to their face up, and like you know, when they're getting their face rubbed in the mat or something like that, and that's like a big angle, you know, you just to get the sandpaper and you go over. It's, it's, it's definitely a different time back then for sure. Yeah. Right. Okay, so let's talk. Let's quickly talk about the bad. I think we've kind of like
2: talked a little bit about about some of this stuff. So, the thing that the thing that the first thing that stood out to me was just when Allie's hanging out on the ramp and. The, they've done this often on these shows they did it with mike tyson on uh, on the last uh, on the last pay-per-view uh where uh he's just kind of like on the ramp because he doesn't know what to do and it's not like Allie couldn't have come to, come ringside right brandy's ringside why why not come ringside obviously brandy doesn't like you but maybe she goes on the other side instead she just stands there like she's frozen in time mm-hmm. and it's driving me nuts when they do that. Like they're just literally standing there. There's no surprise. There's no urgency. They're just there
0: for seemingly no reason. Yeah. It, and it led to nothing, right? It was just, yeah, it was a waste of time. Yeah. Um, um, I have, well, I had two many long match tag matches, which we, we already yeah. kind of, we already discussed that, but um, it pains me to say this, but cause I like both a lot. I wasn't really into MGF or Billy Gunn yep. match. That's another one that's mine.
2: Uh, First and I, of all, and I
0: had the, the the matches going longer
2: than normal too. I also had that one.
0: Uh, MGF, he's what twenty four. He has potential to be the modern day Roddy Piper, um, and, and amongst other other you know like like other legends. But he he's just he played like wimpy baby face not like big bumps and you're doing this over exaggerated bump and you're flying all the ring for a a veteran like billy gunn and this big powerhouse it was like you know running away being dragged back to the ring over the guy's shoulder kicking his legs like a baby like i don't want that at mjf i want him to still be a tough guy still be an asshole but i don't want him to be like like that was like mid-card heel bs like the genius you could do something like that with you mm-hmm. know lanny poffo's character um but not not a guy that's a, a main event town like mjf and the finish too was like they had like to protect billy gunn like why are we protecting billy gunn
2: right now that, like, that's the thing that was on my list was i thought mjf should have beat him either submission with the salt of the earth well he should have beat him clean or he should have outsmarted him in some way, but still beat him clean. Instead, showing that he
0: wins with the the ring is like, oh, like he should he should have to do that to beat Billy no, Gunn. No, Billy Gunn at this point in his career, um, he's like was well, he mostly an agent, right? Is that his role, or he's just a fan at ringside now? I think he's, I think he's just uh, a little league dad. I thought he was uh, an agent of something. I so think I he might be. I. I, like I said, I think I I wanted to see the a submission. I wanted to see the Fujiwara arm roll, the salt the salt of the earth, as he calls it. And, you know, a, a, a definite win from him, you know. And, God, imagine this that happens. And then he goes out there and starts bragging at Jungle Boy, who's at ringside, which was ridiculous. And then they had that – another brawl. We had another brawl on the mm-hmm, EW. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all about like, getting guys on TV.
2: Like, I hope when they do get that second hour – that they don't, or that third hour, I guess, mm-hmm. that they don't have to constantly get all these guys on TV in that way because it's just so repetitive.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, I don't like seeing certain people. Like I would talk about this every week. Certain people at Ringside, I just don't. I just don't like the Luthers for some reason. Because what else is he doing? I put him out there, but like, you know, Jungle Boy and them. But there was a reason they had him out there to do this angle, but. Um, but yeah, I, did, I didn't like that. I, I like I said, I, I didn't like his early, the early part of the match, the way he was comedy bumping around and treated like a little baby. And also, didn't like the finish. I thought it should have been clean.
2: Uh, okay, uh, that. So what was the what was the last one? Because I think we went through all mine. Yeah, yeah, I
0: had three. So, um, the Brian Cage promo. <laughs> I'm 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 a big proponent of giving guys chances to talk, yeah. but I know Brian. I have worked with Brian. Um, I've seen his promos, and it's just not his strength. Yeah. Right. In um, Lucha Underground, where he, they had barely had him say anything as much. You know, when they did, it was very short. You know. Um. But and I and I and I, I applaud him for give him a chance. But we saw his chance. And I think Taz is doing such a great job as a heel manager. Like, it's unlike Jake Roberts, you know, Taz really puts the emphasis on his, on his, the guy he's managing. He's continue he continues to put the focus on Brian Cage. And I just would like, I think it's just, he just, he just looks more, he just feels special just sitting there, standing there, staring at, staring at the, staring at the screen like he's going, oh my God, man, he's really, this guy's going to crush Moxley, right? you know so i i think that's the best way but you know okay cool they gave him a ch- chance but okay now we see yeah yeah, yeah. you know it's just you know brian has doesn't have that voice you know if he had a voice of damian priest you know maybe that would be mm-hmm. awesome. but and the talking ability of damian priest but he doesn't unfortunately but you know he's a, a super talent inside the ring and i think i think putting him with taz is such a great move but you know keep taz as a talker and let brian cage just do the wrestling
2: uh okay i think we got through AEW now nxt i will let you go first with the good so i would just preface this by saying Mm -hmm. i only had two each because i'm obviously i'm watching the one hour version and i read this the uh the recap of the whole show so the hour that i didn't watch and i would have added a few more things in the bad if i did watch that stuff
0: yeah, maybe I maybe I should have watched the Hulu version this time, this yeah. <laughs> just for one moment. In which I'll talk. Well, we'll talk about that in the dislikes. But the likes, um, I I was really surprised by the main event. I, I'm not saying it was like the greatest match in the world, but you know, considering Shotzi's experience level, and um, I thought she did like early on. I could tell she was nervous. She was rushing things a little bit. She was at times like you know, instead of like you know, you know working her way into positionings. Um, she was kind of just get, getting there quickly, right? Like posting up already and ready for something to happen. But as the match uh, went on, I think she got comfortable. Um, you know, Bailey is really good. Zosh is really good. So it turned out to be a fun main event tag match. So I really liked that. that. That was on my
2: list too. And it wasn't necessarily the match. And I talked w- uh, about this with Justin on our Monday show, our recap of, of Backlash. They now singularly I like both women. Mm-hmm. You know, as as singles wrestlers. I I on Wrestling Observer Radio I told Big Dave that I thought, you know, I didn't know if Bailey had it in her, and she absolutely has it in her with this with this character. But I am such a big Sasha Banks fan, and it stems back to that WrestleMania 32 in Dallas where you know it's the triple threat with her and Charlotte and Becky, and I'm like, okay. After this entrance with Snoop Dogg, if they don't put the title on 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 Sasha, they're nuts. And of course, you know they didn't. They didn't. Uh, Charlotte won that match, but I've been such a big fan of hers from then. And look, she she's often hurt. I get that. She she might, you know, she might be one to ruffle feathers. But in some in some instances, good for her. But this team, oh my gosh, they have so much chemistry. They look like stars. I know the idea is to eventually feud them, but can we push that off for like six months or eight months or ten months?
0: They're so good together. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, they I really like this. And it's this classic, you know, booking of you know two partners teaming up and then eventually going to break up. And but yeah, and like I said, what like I, for me, just what the surprise is just because I'm like, wow, man, Shossi's getting a main eventer I know they're really high on her. And I, and I know Shotzi, I worked with her. She's an awesome girl, you know, but, you know, she has limitations in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, because, you know, of her, you know, where she came from as a, to me, not the best school. And, um, and, you know, but she's, like she says, she's ballsy. Like she goes out there and she gives her all. So, and I think. You know, a lot of people like to get down to WWE, but I think their training the best when it comes to, you know, the Performance Center stuff. And I, I know they're not doing much training now, like at the Performance Center, but because of the COVID-19, but, you know, there's still these great resources for her you know, Sarah Del Rey and, you know, you Michaels, Terry Taylor, you know, triple H, like, you know, the pull, Ch- 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 you know, the pull from, you know, to help her out and advance her. And like I said, like early on, I could tell she was nervous because this is her first main event on a, on a on national TV. But like, I like, she sailed in, She hit everything. Her, her comeback was great. Uh, I'm, I'm super excited for Shotzi and, and I could see what they see in her. Definitely. What about your second thing? The second thing I liked, oh uh, man, this show was, this show, oh, second thing I liked, man, I was so happy to see my boy Killing Dane back on television. And I, I liked his match. See, this movie. is the one match that I missed that I wish that they put on the one you, hour They show. didn't put this on Hulu. Nope. All right. Screw Hulu, man. <laughs> this match is so good. Just, it's, I mean, it's just simple, great psychology. Damian Priest has a back injury, obviously, from the match with Finney still. He's still beat up. And Killing Dane's such a good worker. And he just, like, his, he's so good. Like, he, he's done this many times when he works with guys. When he works on a body part, like, he is, he's not the traditional, like, Arn Anderson, right? He's not going to, you know, grab a hold. Like, he just keeps pounding on it, pounding on it, pounding on it, pounding on it, pounding on it. So, like, I just like the psychology of this match. And, and Priest did a great job selling his back and fighting from behind. And, you know, of course, finally he gets the big win at the end. And and I really enjoyed that. And in a the sidebar, I really liked the angles. Did you, was it anything with the storyline? Did you see the, the Grimes storyline
2: stuff? <sighs> no, instead of this, we got the Jonah Rock squash. Mm-hmm. We got the long interview segment with Cole. We got the long. Uh, stuff with, uh, with with the Undisputed Era and the therapist. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got yeah. the other interview with um, uh, with Escobar and, and all that stuff was okay, I, except for maybe the, the Undisputed Era skits. I thought that was uh, pretty poor, but um, you know those interviews being on this show made sense. I just wish they could have figured out a way to shave some minutes off and maybe take that
0: Jonah Rock match off and then put the Killian Dane match. Well, what, what you missed, you know, Damien Priest comes in with this awesome car, right? You know, perfect for him, fitting fit his character. It's probably his real car, I'm sure. He's, and then like as he's getting out to enter into the you know full sale, like in the far in the the background, you see Cameron Grimes like walk back behind his car, and like he's like hey, like you know he's gonna be up to something, right? Which I always knew he's gonna do some kind of car damage, and uh, you know later on the like, Priest finds his tires are slashed, and here comes you know uh, Cameron Grimes drives right by and goes, Hey, you got some try with your tires and ha, ha, you know, like he's such a great little pesty heel. You know, the only thing I would have done with that segment, was I think is pre should have been like running after, you know, even though he couldn't catch up with him because the guy's in the car, but still, like, sh- like I'm going to take you. I don't give a crap you're in your car, right? I'm going to get your ass. But he's kind of, like, just more, like, frustrated. Oh, that tire's off, man. Oh, I'm going to get you, you know? Like, I think it would have been cool if he did something where he, or maybe he threw a rock and hit it, broke his window as he took off, you know, or something, like, something cooler like that. But oh, all in all, I'm just really, in, you know, sidebar to this, I'm really enjoying, I'm enjoying Priest of the Bayface. I think he's doing a really good job. And I just love, love, love Cameron Grimes as this, this slimy-ass heal. He's he's really good.
2: All right, my second thing is my second and last thing really is um the Drake Maverick the Drake Maverick run in on the interview now. The part that I liked about the run in, Drake Maverick showed so much fire in being so pissed off at these dudes. He went one on 3 and was winning on them for half of it. And then, of course, they triple teamed him Mm -hmm. and they powerbombed him through a chair. I mean, through a table. That was awesome. The part that I didn't like was, it was only two weeks ago where everybody loved this guy and they were clapping
0: for him and crying for him. And no one helped this poor dude as he's getting demolished. I had the same issue. I thought they... I know they wanted to do the cool big table spot at the end there, but... I was hoping that Kishida and Atlas run out yes. and stop it, and, and and now we have this. Now we have the six man tag match set up. Um, I, I, that's my issue too. I, I liked I liked that Drake Maverick was straightforward. He didn't care. It's three on one. He's gonna get his butt kicked, but you know what? He's still gonna get a shot on on um, Santos XBR. Um So I, it's almost all my dislikes because just just because what you're talking about, like you know they they didn't come out to help him. But I thought you know I I really. Dig Santos Escobar's character. He, he's very, very good as a as a kid without the mask. Like you know, a lot of people remember back maybe back in WCW, Don't take the mask off these guys. Like yeah. in some cases, like shoot, you know, they have much more personality to show on these luchadors. And you know, and and he does. You know, El Fantasma does a great personality. And um, so yeah, I, I I thought it's it almost made me dislike just because of the I thought man, someone should have came out and helped Jake Mavic. You know, but I yeah so. Yeah, I agree. I agree with everything you say there. Alright, what was your last one? And, you know, usually I don't like these kind of segments because we see it all the time. We've seen it probably since 2001 I feel like, or maybe even before that. But the the segment where one guy comes out, then another guy comes out, then another guy comes You know, the, the setup for the, the NXT title match. It, it uh, was a very WWE feel. It was but, very WWE, but... When you have the right people, it can work. And I think all these guys did a great job. Like, you know, Finn's awesome, as we know. Gargano's great as this little chicken shit heel. Keith Lee actually got a cool, like, like cut down on on you know, just kind of on Gargano, which I thought was was good. So I, I enjoyed this whole segment. I enjoyed the uh, just before this segment between Adam Cole and Keith Lee that that was really good and then of course later on that in the show after keith lee smashes the um, the time uh, sand, the, the the hourglass right? mm-hmm. she slams it and breaks it then we see later on that here comes scarlet and she's picking up the hourglass or the sand and then there's all so easy you to see, see this this boot and just breaks a piece of the glass and you know of carrying across so I just thought I just thought they did a really good job setting that up, and mm-hmm. I, I, it, the reason I picked it as a like because I normally don't like these kind of segments. Yeah. I'm just tired of it, but this one I thought was really well done.
2: I I think the thing that I didn't like about it is there's some confusion on there's confusion for me on why all of a sudden it's like belt versus belt. Have they ever teased this before? Is I mean, well, I, I well, guess you, want, you know want why, to, right? wanting to have the, the, you know, you want to be the champion for sure, but I, I don't know. What, what is the, what is behind this? Uh, it's on July 8th, the same day as the second night of yeah, Fighter Fest. Fyter Fest so it's going yeah. head up, but is there plans to consolidate the belts or is it just a tease for this big match? And then they're still going to keep both belts.
0: They want the biggest match, the biggest stakes possible to go against that competition. Right. Cause they know that AEW's put on a big show and they, and, and you know, and you know either those guys versus Cole. I mean, mostly Lee or Finn would be huge, right? For, for that that feels like a really big match. I think yeah, title for title and all that. Make you know they're trying to make it you know sweeten it up as much as possible, make people want to tune in for that match instead of AEW's match.
2: If yeah. I would, if I was them, I would actually put it on next week because they actually have a chance to you know they they could actually uh, beat them
0: next week. Uh, to me, it feels like a takeover main event. Whoever's going to win that, right? I mean, well, they may they may still because that three way sounds really good. You know, I'm not a big three way fan, but the NXT does a really good job with with them usually. So, and those three guys are in there are going to be great. So,
2: yeah, I, I don't know. I, it just feels to me like this, like they're going they're teasing this thing, but there's a, there's absolutely no. No possibility that someone's going to walk. Like, like the fact that it's for both belts just tells, tells me that there's
0: a screw job or that there's a disqualification coming. You, or if or Keith Lee's going to win it, or whoever's going to win, it's going to be champ, double champ. Champ.
2: hey i mean if if they did do something like that like the ufc and it was the champ champ you know i think that's a kind of a cool idea for a little bit but whenever they do that then they just make
0: the guy drop the lesser belt and and they don't let him keep it so oh yeah 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 and i always i used to hate that i remember when the warrior when the Intercontinental title, or oh, the one the world title, the they had Intercontinental, like, but he can't defend both, right? Yeah, and, yeah. You know, That that old line. But you know, as a kid, I remember like, well, why can't he? He's awesome, you yeah. know. Well, I mean, and New, New Japan still has
2: yeah, Naito do, as yeah. the double champ, so yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk about some of the dislikes, and I think I already kind of mentioned this, so we don't have to go super deep, but. Last week, I was like, oh, you know, Roddy Strong's personality. It's like coming through. Like, I'm, I, Even though I didn't like the skits, I, I sort of liked his, his – uh, just the way that he decided to showcase his personality a little bit. This week, I take it all back. I thought, I thought all of this week's stuff was so silly, so goofy, not helpful to him. Um, he, and and I, know, I, I think they thought it would be funny with uh, Kyle O'Reilly as the therapist – but I just thought the whole thing was lame.
0: It was going good until they got to Kylo Riley, and he's a really funny guy. But, but like, I don't know what they were going with this. I mean, I'm missing something with it, you know. But Roddy still showed a lot of personality. Like going into that, going into the therapy session, he, he was great. You know, him running away was kind of funny. But like, you know, this was the, of all the undisputed era segments they've been they did like the Zoom meeting one, which I loved, and. And they had another one um, that was really good. But th- th- this one, yeah, this one th- this one missed a mark. And then, and then can I say the other thing that frustrated me is
2: we know that these segments aren't filmed live. We know that they're taped video packages mm-hmm. in the, into the show. But can you at least try to pretend that Adam Cole can't go from chasing Roddy Strong to all of a sudden being in the middle of the ring doing a, a, a promo now? I don't know if that's how it worked on the two-hour one, but that's definitely how it worked on the one-hour version.
0: I, I, I definitely want to say that Morrow said something earlier today or earlier this week or, you know. But couldn't you have cut the show so that he didn't have to do that so it doesn't look
2: like, oh, wait, I just saw him chasing this dude and now he's cutting a serious promo. It's just it's just too, like, you got comedy guy and now you got serious guy and they happen in back-to-back segments.
0: Yeah, this this segment may may would have been better f- for next week, mm-hmm. and maybe you can tease you can tease it up with like fish talking to Roddy and be like, dude, get over this, get over this, and then maybe right before you know Cole is being interviewed by um God, what's her name that that backstage interview, Fish goes to Cole like, you know, Roddy stones off. He's like, Fish goes, we need to do something about this, right? And Cole's like, we'll, we'll talk about it later. I got other business to take. And then they go to that segment where Keith Lee comes out and smashes the hourglass. And maybe that could have been a cool way to do it. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this, this. It was. Yeah, you see Cole. You know, in this segment of just comedy, and then later on, he had this really, you know, just setting up this big championship match, right? Yep. All right. What about you? <laughs> yeah, I know you missed this. I know you missed this. Now the Robert Stone vomiting. Yeah, I heard about this. It was everything was fine until the vomiting. I was like, ugh, why the vomiting? Vince I mean, I... Is, is, is is Vince peeking in on the show a little bit? <clears throat> I don't know. It, it just didn't. I know I love Robert Stone. I think he's been a great character. He's just is he's he great, th- Is he supposed to be Tony Khan? No, no, not at all. That's fa- that's the, everyone's missing the mark on that big time. Nope. He's a Tony. He's compared to a Tony, but not not Tony, not Tony Khan. That's all I'll say. But, um, but yeah, I I, man, I like him. I like him as an interview. I like him as a, a you know he's really good. This he's a really good actor. He's a good actor. He, he he does well with this. But this was like, okay, this is this is this is not this is not, I don't I don't want this on NXT. Mm-hmm. That's okay for you. You Want to do that on Raw or SmackDown? Go Bruce, Bruce
2: Bruce, Bruce Pritchard might be watching a little bit of NXT.
0: I don't know. I don't know. But whatever it is, I don't want to see it again. Right. So, and for you, you're lucky, you know, <laughs> I mean, not like Xia Lee Li and Aaliyah really tore the house down or anything and the match was, 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 was fine. It's, you know, so I guess it's a, it was a good one for the Hulu version to leave out. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, what else? Was Was there anything else on the, on the negative side? Yeah. Yeah. I got a couple of things. Um, the finished, the opening tag team title match. I thought way overbooked, um, convoluted a little bit. I don't like Andrew Endushir Sh- being on their butts this early, mm-hmm. right? And I, you know, Tyler Tyler Breeze. I'm, you know, he's a, you know, he's not the, the, the he's not the the heaviest guy on the roster. So when he knocks people down like a bowling ball, you know, four guys, I just thought that was ridiculous. And and Endushir is just sitting there, like they're like laying on their backs like for a while. I know they got in a little scrap with uh, Oni and Danny Bertrich. These hard hitter, you know, hard hitting guys, but like this is not the... I don't want to see Andrew Sher just on their butts right now. They need to be just monsters, and you know, I know they're they're probably setting up a four way tag. It looks like obviously, but I I I want to see Andrew Sher just squash and job guys for a while, and then I want to see them in in the tag title mix with you know later on. So yeah, my main issue was the that that finished that tag match that that leading. I thought it was a little too much. Um, the match was fine, but I I. That was really just it's really bugged me. Okay, so I, I'm gonna ask you this question. After every
2: every NXT episode in which they perform, am I still supposed to care about Brizongo?
0: Yes, was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> they're good. They're, they they serve their purpose. I, I'm 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 not an anti Brizongo. They're they're there to you know be you know be leaders and work with the guys and be in, you know be. You know, a good t- working tag team. You know, I, I don't think they're going to be the champs. I mean, they might be, depending on the roster. Because time they, they themselves feel like more like WWE than they feel like NXT, to me. They feel like more like WWE? Yeah. I really liked that segment last week with the, the little personality profile thing. I thought that was really, really good. Um, and I dig the Imperium uh, mocking. I, thought that, I mean, I didn't like the Fabio hair, though. I thought that was... If it wasn't the Fabio hair, they would have came out and, like without the Fabio here, I think it would have been a little better, but I, I like the Imperium mock. I, I thought that was, that was really cool. That was really cool. So I'm like actually pretty pumped for this match. I I thought the opening was kind of choppy, but then they kind of settled down. Um, Marcel Barthel is so damn yeah, good. I dude. thought the match was, I thought the match was good, but then, you know, like you said, the finish was, yeah, finished so over. And the last thing I had was, this is not Bronson Reed. I have an issue with the squash or anything like that. I love Bronson Reed. It was a great squash. I mean, that splash off the top rope is freaking awesome. I remember being so excited to see Bam Bam Bigelow do a top rope splash. Oh, yeah. You know, so it reminded me of that. And just and the way he just got got so much air on it, it just looked awesome. Um, I don't know if uh, Leon Ruff is signed, but she should be. Like, he's such, like, a lovable, like, you know, underdog, babyface character. He's been such a great guy on these shows as a job guy. But here's the thing you're building up to a match with carrying cross because something that happened you know three weeks ago right and i would be a lot more excited about this match if bronson weed hasn't lost multiple times on television already <laughs> so that's my issue you know i get it you're gonna now he down now cross is gonna destroy this big this big guy right but god if he was if he had some foresight and you're building to this and like and you protected this guy, like man, this guy's been this guy's dominant too, and now he's gonna go against this new guys here, and he's dominant too. He just destroyed freaking Champa. Now I'm like, fuck, I can't wait to see these guys clash, these big guys. But I've seen Bronson Reed lose way too damn much to really make me care. Now I get it. There's an issue there, obviously, because Cross, you know, attacked him from behind and gave him the side to a sweet place. There's an issue for them to have this match. But but why do? Well, there's nothing that makes me think that Reed has a, any of a chance to be cross. Mm-hmm. The, the, the what I what I was frustrated
2: with when that match started was, you know, I, I in in the interview with Jeff, I'll I'll, I'll ta- I talked about a match that Jeff had with uh, Jonah Rock that I thought was just pre- it, it wasn't the the best match, but just the physical beast aspect of it. Um, and so that's how I think of, of Jonah Rock. And then when his Tron plays, and the first thing I see is the phrase "thick boy," and I go, "Okay, he's he's comedy. He's just supposed to be comedy." And and I, I'm like, uh, eh, all right." I I
0: I'm 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 wondering if after this match across, he goes heel. Yeah, because you need to turn him heel, and that's another thing that pisses me off about when people do this. It's like, "Oh, he was a baby face now, but he's just going to be a heel. We'll just turn him heel now. He's a, now he's a monster, right?" mm Hmm. He's going to be a heel. He needs to be a heel and he needs a manager that's going to tap into his killer instinct. Um, maybe it's going to be the Stokey Hathaway character, but I kind of like him already with the two monsters, right? Like why give him another monster, but maybe he's a manager of monsters. Maybe he's, uh, uh, was it Dr. Monroe, you know, <laughs> like, I don't know Dr. Monroe, like he just, he has all these like crazy big men and you know, maybe, the, but, but I don't, I don't want to water down you know, I don't like watering down managers with like multiple guys too much. It was cool in the eighties. I liked it with the Heenan family stuff, but I don't know. Now I kind of like it. I think Robert Stone would be would be good if he didn't now turn into this character. Which I'm uh, interested to see how he's he's going to evolve out of this character, Robert Stone himself. So, but.
2: I, I just hope that Vince doesn't bring him up, and all of a sudden he's uh, no way Jose. No, um, who 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 was the Who is the 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 the. the the guy who, who, when Naomi was the dancer, who was the the wrestler, uh, where he he did the dance before the match. Oh, Broder's Broder's Clay. Yeah. yeah, I hope he doesn't become him. I hope he doesn't become PN News. I hope he doesn't become like uh, Rikishi. Like not Rikishi, the wrestler, he'd be he'd he'd be fine. But just you know, dancing fat guy. I, that's what I hope he doesn't become on the main roster.
0: They could become. I mean, he can be okay. You could pick him up with Brendan Vick and Shane Hayes as like a Aussie trio. Well, Bam, Bam Bam
2: Bigelow is the perfect thing. Like that's the perfect comparison of who mm-hmm. he could be if they took him seriously.
0: Yeah, and I'm hoping if he goes heel that they will give him that opportunity. But then it's, that's another thing. Like, see, I'm, I'm always, I, my mentality is like, you should debut a guy and he shouldn't lose for a while until it's the right time. And, and instead of like, well, he can lose now, but we're going to probably gonna turn him heel. And that's where we're really going to be, you know, get behind him. And now he's going to be, cause I just don't want to, I just think it's, it's just like, if you have a guy Bronson Reed and you don't know what to do with him yet, but you want to put him on TV I would say leave him off TV because I don't want to beat him right now Mm -hmm. until I have a reason to bring him out there to, to, um, you know, to be a winner and to build him up for something big. Yeah.
2: Okay. So, uh, so we're going to move on to the next segment. And the one thing I want to preface with this is, um, the audio for the interview with Jeff is John and I are fine. You, You can hear us great, but. There's there's some going on with Jeff's phone a couple of different times where it's not perfect so I apologize for that um but I th- I think it's I think it's really good if you're a fan of Jeff's or if you haven't really heard him talk about his career or 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 whatever I think it's uh it's really fun so we are going to
0: throw it real quick go ahead Jeff I know you're listening if you Get frustrated, with what Garrett said. Take it on him, not no, me. I think not. you sounded great. <laughs> no. You sounded perfect and beautiful, my friend. No, I. It, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> it wasn't
2: something that he did purposely, or that he he is at fault at. It's just sometimes, you know, when you when when you talk on the phone, it's not it's not perfect, and it could have been on my side for for all I know. So no no shade to jeff at all it's just to, it's just there there's some parts in the headphones where i was like oh like i i think there's something there's something wrong there but um, let's let, let's throw it to the interview that we did with jeff all right we have the one of the hottest free agents in pro wrestling right now at least as far as i know he's a free agent bringing on jeff cobb what's going on man
1: Aloha, y'all. How's everyone else? Happy uh, happy quarantine.
2: (laughs) Exactly. So um, I was going to, the first question I was going to ask you was going to be about, you know, how does it feel to be, you know, a a pro wrestler who's a free agent or who's not working specifically for one company right now in a pandemic? And I do want to to ask you that in a second, but over the weekend, there was some information that came out. One of the uh, wrestling websites, I think it was Fightful, Mention there were some tapings with uh with some some New Japan talent. You were on that list. I don't imagine it's anything you can even uh mention, but uh it, it sounds like something's going on at least. Um uh is there anything you can say or are we just keeping it uh, at there something something's going on?
1: Um well I mean I can neither confirm nor deny. Um <laughs> But it's uh, it's definitely something that everybody's been wanting and you know, always they just stay tuned, and you're certainly going to be entertained. So,
2: the whole pandemic hit the uh, everybody by storm. I feel wrestling as pro wrestling as an industry, especially the non uh, big time companies like WWE and AEW and and New Japan, uh, were really affected, and. And you know the fact that you haven't really uh, been tied to a group, like, how has it been for you? Just kind of waiting things out while you know the coronavirus is is doing its thing, and and uh, you know it's affected you know your livelihood. Like, how have you been dealing with the whole situation?
1: Um, it's it's been fine uh, for me, I guess. Um, I mean, like. I'll give you a prime example, like uh, like Ring of Honor they paid um, they paid us for our March dates and our April dates and and May dates actually. So um you know, I'm, I'm very grateful for that. You know, Ring of Honor is a great company and they're looking out for their talent as well. I mean it's like you mentioned, you know, it's it's affected a lot of people. Um I can only comment on the Ring of Honor position. Um New Japan also paid us too for uh certain shows that were coming up so you, you know they, they're two big companies that you know in the grand team machine things they don't have to take care of us but they do so uh very fortunate about that so props to this if you of honor for that
2: that no that's awesome and so um, maybe maybe i have have the story wrong are you are you still um are, are you working for both companies or would you have been working for both companies if not for this pandemic
1: Oh yeah, because I mean, I, I was I was uh, all ready geared up for a nice uh, New Japan Cup uh, run. Uh, unfortunately, this pandemic hit and uh, closed all the borders for for Japan. So, I mean, you know they they've been very they've been very uh, generous and you know pay their talent. And we had a the pandemic actually hit Las Vegas um, the weekend of their their pay per view. Um, and their TV tapings that weekend. So but, I mean, like like I mentioned, you know, Ring of Honor, they took care of their talent. I mean, I'm not in a contract with Ring of Honor, but they they went ahead and paid paid me for the two dates in March and the our April shows and our May shows. So you know, and you know, and, and plus I'm I I don't spend a lot of money. I spend my money on food, so, <laughs> so I'm, pretty, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty good on I'm pretty good on finances.
0: So Jeff, uh, during this time off, have you? changed your diet? Are you going to be bulking up? Are you slimming down? I know for the cup, maybe maybe you're getting a little more cardiovascular conditioning, I should say, or anything you're changing or evolving, you're hopeful to come out of this pandemic. Uh,
1: well, during the pandemic, I, I mean, I definitely um, been doing a lot more uh, cardio workouts, I guess, because like, you know, the wall of gyms being closed, um, you know, parks are closed, and uh, garages are closed so you know there's still there's no time to do workouts so i i feel especially as a as a wrestler you know a lot of people will say oh we don't have time because we're always traveling but now in our downtime you should be working out and hopefully people have been and when we come back you know hopefully everybody's in better shape than they they were when they went in the pandemic um i can throw so for me personally um you know again i can either confirm or deny. There was something going on this past weekend, but uh, um, if for some odd reason there was and it ended up on some sort of platform, uh, you can see the results of of certain workouts. So,
2: you know, the the downtime in of itself, um, you know, John was specifically mentioning, like, you know, workouts or whatever, but as a student of the game... Was there anything that you decided to study that maybe you hadn't studied before, or did did you not, you know, or was that not interesting to you or whatever? I was just kind of wondering, like, from the mental uh, standpoint, from from pro wrestling, from you know, sort of uh, rounding out your game as a wrestler. Was there anything that you were trying to pick up from that and uh, that standpoint? Um, not really, because
1: I I feel like I. I'm a student twenty four seven. Not just during the pandemic, but um, I did dust off some old, um, some old All Japan, um, some Gary Albright DVDs that I had uh, playing around that I forgot I had. Um, mm-hmm. So I found them and I dusted the shelves off and popped those in a, uh, a few times throughout the, the pandemic.
0: So I guess we're I guess we're going to see some more suplexes from the uh, suplex master. Coming out of this I'm pandemic
2: yeah, <laughs> well, i mean what what's what's training been like though, if I mean I mean, I don't know what the gym situation is in Vegas uh, or if you had access to to maybe a private gym, but I know out here like they shut everything down so quickly, and you know I'm just I'm trying to find like you know bowflex dumbbells online to get shipped mm-hmm. because I yeah, I couldn't go go anywhere. like you know this is a big this is a you know a huge part of 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 your uh, of your game? Like, like, what did you do?
1: Uh, well, so, I mean, like about a little bit after the G1, I started uh, training with, uh, uh, I train at the gym out here, uh, syndicate gym. Uh, it's a, it's like a, it's an all around fight Jitsu gym. Um, you just get the mat time. Um, and I started training with our strength and conditioning coach uh, who also trained funny enough, uh, my former tag team partner, Matt Riddle. Uh, so you know, I've, I've been training with him, uh, especially when the pandemic hit, all the games closed. So uh, we were working out in a park um, that had a that had a hill. So we'd bring some weights and, and do some do some like some hills and some weights. And um, we did practice social distancing and cleaning. So we it wasn't like there was <laughs> it, there wasn't fifty of us in a group. There was just maybe four of us to, uh, max, um, and we did that uh, about three times a week. And, you know, stay in distance, clean, cleaned everything. We did all, we followed all the guidelines pretty much. So, I mean, that's pretty much what I've been doing.
0: How is the uh, jujitsu training going for you? Uh, I know you mentioned to me one, one time about the flexibility. Um, any other benefits you're feeling from the training?
1: Uh, well, definitely just like cardio. Just, uh, is definitely helped. Uh, help, you know, shed unwanted pounds. Um, you know Tom Lawler's and in, in, in most of our classes and you see the physical specimen that he is. So definitely mm-hmm. doing that and rolling around. It's been it's been really fun and just you know just opening up uh, new avenues to the game. You know you, you never know. I might throw in a I might have, I may have learned a few new submission holds, <laughs> but you never know.
0: Now did Tom Lawler teach you this or did your fiance Jeslin teach you this? Because I know she is uh, uh, coming up in the about, MMA ranks. About. A uh, little bit of both. Little bit. It's <laughs> great. So uh, w- with with, uh,
2: with the the jujitsu stuff, uh, obviously, um, I, I guess that that's that's what I should have also asked about when I was asking. You know, if you're kind of thinking about changing your game, because uh, the last time that uh, I think American fans may have seen you, uh, would that have been the AEW? Or, or or were you on ROH TV after? I, I don't remember the timeline. But. Uh,
1: we had we had Ring of Honor TV right after the the AEW appearance that I did.
2: So the, the AEW thing was uh, quite the surprise. Um, I know when uh, you know I the 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 Facebook group that that we have for this podcast. You know these guys are you know on the websites and they're on Twitter accounts and nobody saw that one coming. Like we were so surprised and I. I was like, oh my God, like John, couldn't you even have told me something was going on? But it, was, it was like it was an amazing surprise. like i didn't I didn't see it coming at all. And um you know, it was like kind of like that. The thing that happens, or at least that we were hoping to happen in this Wednesday night war, right? We're back in this competition, which is, you know, the surprise, like the companies you know, competing and wanting to have that surprise to kind of pop the crowd and pop that internet audience. Like that was a really amazing moment. You even had you had a match uh later, uh in, in that short stint. But you know, did you did you sense from, from that AEW run that uh you know, much like I felt, like that it just caught everyone off guard and like people were so fired up to see you?
1: Um, I I think it did. Um well for one, like when I got there I want I'd say me may, maybe ninety five percent of the locker room didn't even all like i was coming in that week um you know a lot of people can't because i i came in early um uh, i had to i had to film like uh like i had to do some things prior uh for filming purposes and um so i got there maybe two hours before call time and when call time hit and everybody started coming through they're like well, what are you doing here like you know <laughs> it was a surprise as well so um, i thought that was i thought that pretty cool like that uh that he kept kind of wraps until the day of. So, um, you know, I, at the end of the day, I think only maybe like five or six people knew I was coming in. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and then, you know, like just, I didn't even know, but, uh, that Jericho mentioned me prior to me coming out at the end of the night. Um, that's what I was told that was going to happen. So, I was you know, I was kind of just doing my own thing and, and I go back to my phone, um, uh, like a little bit before the main event and like I was getting so many notifications. I was like, this is weird. Like, you know, I don't, you know, I get a decent amount of notifications, but this one was ridiculously. And, and then they found out like, Oh, so he named got me, which is, which is a great rub. But uh yeah, I think the, it was definitely unexpected, especially when people assume that I, you know, I I was still with ring of honor or whatever. How many people claim that they
0: they, they already knew ahead of time this was gonna happen? <laughs> you now the wrestling business is. Everyone claims they know it ahead of time. Yeah,
1: every, yeah, everybody was assumed, so yeah, <laughs> whatever. It is which is great. You know, I I love messing with people when you know, especially when they get tagged in something like, Oh yeah, Jeff Jeff sign here, Jeff sign them like you, you don't really know.
2: So. <laughs> but that but that makes you I guess a little bit of a of an outlier in that. I think a lot of people probably thought that when you, you know, when you were first a free agent, you know, that you had these different options and, and where's Jeff going to go? And then you, you you were with ROH and then now, you know, you you're you're with New Japan and and, and there's this, you know, what what is he is he going to do anything in the US? So, you know, it feels like almost everybody has kind of Figured out where they're going yet? You're still, uh, I guess it's a little mysterious. You know, no one really knows exactly what your plans are. But what You know, is there a reason why you kind of uh, have been so patient with with, with it? Like, uh, I feel like you know, even someone like you know, Bran Cage. Uh, you know, we had, he had meant. I think they had said uh, in January that he was signed, and then he was gone, and he still came back as a surprise because everyone thought he was injured. But it it just feels like you know you have really been patient in this whole thing, and. And uh, haven't shown your cards at all, really.
1: Uh, yeah, because I, I just feel like you know that's a good thing in wrestling is having having options and not you know like you mentioned like not showing your showing your hand just yet. You know, like I, I mean, it, like I don't want to jump the gun and just you know sign the first thing that comes up. Like I mean, originally too. Uh, you know, when I got out of my underground contract, you know, it was one of those things where like people, are, oh, you should sign here, you should sign here. Like hey, it was, I just gotta have a long term relationship, so let me just let me let me let me date around a little bit. That, like those like those kind of things. Like I, you know, w- when I do sign, I definitely uh, I'll definitely let it be known. Um, and you know, who knows? Like I may be signed right now. It's just I'm just waiting for the company to. Put it out there. You know, you, you don't know, and, yeah. and and I and I like that. I like like having people keep guessing because you know, like when I when I did the AEW thing, like everybody, there was so many people that was like, yeah, he signed with AEW. I was like, well, I mean, I didn't, but you know, they gave me an opportunity. Um, You know, was there a contract offered? Yeah, did I sign it? No. I mean, you know, I'm still keeping my options open. So I, I I like that portion. I like that part of it where. Again, like especially like the like the internet trolls or whatever. I like I like to have them get proven wrong every so often.
2: <laughs> did um did you get good? I, I, I'm assuming that and everything that I heard, uh, obviously not firsthand like you, was that the AEW thing went really well and like they were you know that they were really happy. With you on that show. Is, I mean, is that, that, that's, it seems like what happened. Is that what happened? Is that, is that how they, they saw you?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and then, and for what it's worth, I mean, you know, meeting meaning Tony Khan, like, he was such a great guy. Like, I mean, he's very helpful. He's very open, uh, very upfront about everything. And, you know, I appreciated that. And, you know, like, and, when, Everything that everything that I went to like Cody and the Bucks that day, um, they were just very welcoming. So you know, like if people ever has any negative negative things about them, like no, I would, like everything was great A when I went in there. or when the the two weeks that I was there, um, but it's just you know, um, kind of want to have all my op- all my options in a row and then figure out what I want and then go from there.
0: So Jeff, I got you know, it was pretty awesome to see your rise and and meet your goals in New Japan. You know, I know we talked about that in the past, like goals of going there, and it was just been so great seeing you in New Japan and seeing you be successful. I saw you at the you know the Cow Palace was amazing. Then I was a, got a, it was a great opportunity in New York to see you, and MSG walk that aisle. I thought that was uh, fantastic, but G One was something that was really near dear to your heart hard to do that tournament uh give your overall thoughts on the tournament how 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 to go um how do you think about your performance and and i know you're hoping to be in the next one i'm sure
1: um it, it was definitely a a bucket list uh checked off for me you know like the p one like i feel it's the best of the best and just getting an opportunity to compete in it was definitely a dream true for me um could have done better? Uh, yeah, but I—I I mean, I think I went in underestimating the, the like the quality of the matches, and like everybody brought their A game. I mean, I mean, you've seen it. Like we're guys who maybe didn't get a chance that just came out and just show. I mean, I mean, Lance Archer had a, a career making performance and like in, or career making tournament in that mm-hmm. in that whole in that whole summer. So I mean, like. Stuff like like stuff like that, I mean, I mean, I definitely feel felt like um I had a lot of good matches, and I definitely felt like i had i underperformed in a couple of matches and I was a little bit harder on myself, but I mean, again, like I said, I underestimated the 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 level that they were gonna step up everybody's game, and I also underestimated the heat and how hot it was in Japan, so um i mean I mean, I mean, obviously this year um I think it's it's in the fall now and you know I'm definitely shooting to be in the G1 again and you know and proving May series wrong Cause I had, there was a lot of negativity from some fans like uh about the G1 performance but I think I thought I did I thought I did well in my first time and you know I definitely want to come back a lot stronger and have a better showing at this next one
2: Now because that tournament is uh you know it's like you're wrestling so often, and you're wrestling at such a high level. Often, you hear about just uh, the 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 wear and tear that that the body goes through. I think it was um, AJ Styles uh, after one of the G ones. He was in. He was just like, man, like my body was just like you know ha- hadn't gone through anything like that before. How did you come out of that? Uh, and based on how you felt, is there anything you would change training wise uh, if you did get a chance uh, to go into the next one?
1: Um definitely, I wouldn't have trained to uh, get as as big as I did. Um, definitely, because it's that one is it's a sprint, but at the same time, it's also a marathon. So it's a weird combination because it's just like you mentioned like every. Well, I mean, it's just A block, B block, but so it's like every other night you're having a Wrestle Kingdom level match, and and you're you're going you're going hard for a good ten, twenty, sometimes even thirty minutes. So um, definitely, now that I've gotten my first one out of the way, um, definitely uh, m- less heavier weights and. More lighter weights and more more endurance stuff.
2: Do you sense uh, from the, the the guys in Japan uh, like you know we talked about sort of like how AEW welcomed you like but you know all of those guys because you've wrestled a lot of those guys before but coming into the to the New Japan locker room like I imagine it's a little different and you know how, how welcoming or maybe not welcoming you know, is it for someone like you to to go to Japan and go in their locker room and and, and join you know for for uh a couple weeks stretch or a couple months stretch
1: um well, I mean, I feel like i mean you guys probably remember and read about it too, but like I feel it was like ninety nine percent warming and welcoming uh there's like that one percent that wasn't but you know whatever uh, <laughs> uh but no like I think I think what helped too was like um like having that um that legitimate background I think that definitely helped out um was a little bit help was more helpful in a lot of people being welcoming um for guys like uh like Nagata and Nakanishi and Yano having all amateur I mean there's a I mean there's a lot more that have a lot of like amateur experience, and and I think just having um, my background and my pedigree, I think that definitely made it made that transition a little bit uh, a little bit easier.
0: And your uh, relationship with Tanahashi, uh, which I love seeing the post and the, the, uh, the hairstyles and all their uh, <laughs> really fun stuff with the, uh, to me, the, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, Hiroshi Tanahashi. So that was a thrill for me to, to see you hanging with him and, and seemed like you're just having the blast, just, you know, hanging with us such a legend and, and learning under his learning tree. So that's great.
1: Oh yeah. That's like, that's, that's the ace. Season ace for a reason, man. And, you know, uh, especially the G one, like he was definitely helping me out with a lot of things, and you know, it's it's definitely advice that I didn't just go in one year and out the other. I definitely took his advice to heart. So, yeah, I mean, anytime he's spewing any kind of uh, knowledge, I'm definitely I'll be there with a the sponge
2: so you mentioned that when you're in the g one like you know you're you're wrestling a really high level you know wrestle kingdom level match night in and night out we got to see you wrestle moxley in um in the g one and then in a e w you had a match with him too um is there uh is was there any difference in the way that that you guys you know Works together based on one being in this really prestigious tournament, and the other being, you know, in a, a, a sort of like a, a high level like ratings, you know, battle on television. Like this is kind of a nerdy, you know, wrestling question, but I just wondered if your mentality and and Moxley's mentality is any different from the two differences, uh, the two different matches.
1: Um, I, I feel a little bit different. Um, it has just two different styles. Um, I think for, like, for the G1, especially, I think that was Monty's, like, second singles match in Japan at the time. Um, And, you know, I think he was just trying to find his footing, especially coming, just coming off of, like, like a WWE-style career, I guess, if you will. Um, And then coming into Japan, and, I mean, there's, I mean, I feel... I mean, I've never wrestled in a WWE ring, but I, I'm assuming that it's a, it's a different style. Whether you're wrestling for TV or as in Japan, you're wrestling for the sport. And I think Masu is trying to find his footing into finding that that weird transition, and then when he did the AEW match, it was definitely a TV TV som, like TV match, and which is, I mean, you know, it's two different two different companies, two different goals, I guess, if you will. And, and I mean, I felt they were both fine and I had a, I had a blast in both of them. So, um, you know, I, I definitely, I feel I'm more fine tuned for a new Japan style match than a, than a TV match. Cause I'm not a, I'm not good with, uh, with times and looking, looking for a hard can and stuff like that. I just, just want to go out there and beat up somebody and suplex somebody and win. Mm-hmm
0: um with the uh uh, 2020 was supposed to be the olympics in japan and that was of course pushed back some stuff with new japan but as a former olympian 2004 olympian um for all those wrestlers who who are peaking to compete in this in the in the wrestling uh tournament of the olympics how hard is it for as an athlete to you know, to get yourself right, to peak, your training's on point and then now you have to stop and now it's postponed for a whole year. How hard is that? I mean, to me that sounds one of the most difficult things to do for an athlete.
1: Um, you know, like personally I've never I've never had that happen to me. So I I mean definitely peaking at the right time is is always is always the goal. Um, mm-hmm. uh, like it's like I mentioned like for me personally like I've always had it to where I've peaked for a certain, like for a certain tournaments or whatever on, on point, because it was always going to be there. Um, You know, I can only imagine what it's like to train. And then all of a sudden like, Hey, it may or may not happen or we don't know if it's going to happen. You know, trying to stay, like you, you want to plan your peak out at a certain point that, you know, if, if there's a, if there's an uncertainty, uncertainty for it, like it's, it's it, it's hard like i i i couldn't imagine i guess just that's crazy um but i mean you know, i'm glad that i'm hoping it's going going on next year um then, you know it sucks for the guys that are that were almost at that peak for this summer olympics but you know hopefully they can rebound and come back even stronger for next year
0: yeah, I think they'd postpone, they postponed they postponed to 2021. I think it's still going to be in Japan, which is which is a cool thing. So, yeah, let's hope. Uh, I hope all those people are supposed to be scheduled to be in it or in it again next year, because that would, that would I don't know how it works, but I don't know if it they would get another shot again or or they would either move on or other guys would take their spot. So it's interesting.
1: I think I think they'll probably have to do another another tournament, hmm. maybe. Uh, yeah, I, I I haven't heard anything about it or it's just a crazy situation, because I, I don't think it's ever happened before. So
2: mm. you know, when it comes to uh, getting back into the ring, uh, we are still in the time of uh, social distancing and fans not being able to come to events. I feel like uh, certain styles work a lot better with without a lot of fans or without a lot of the cheering. Um, but, you know, I, I, I don't know because, you know, I, 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 am, I've never been in a ring before, but what do you think as far as wrestling in front of, uh, an empty arena or maybe, you know, how NXT and AEW do it where there, there's some of the talent is, is in the stands, but would, would you chat, would you change your style at all going into an empty arena versus being in, in an arena in front of fans?
1: Um... I wouldn't change my style necessarily, but I mean, I definitely feel having fans there is beneficial. Cause like, there's just something about like, I feel like I can, I can do more with the fans behind me and just the, the adrenaline rush of the fans being there, fans cheering and whatnot. Like, cause I mean, like, I, uh, like with the fans are there, you can kind of see, you can kind of feel what they, what they're reacting to. And then you can kind of go off of that. Like, I know a lot of times it's paint by numbers where you're going to get a, a, B, C, D, all the way to Z, no matter what. Um, I don't like to work with wrestle like that. So I like to go off the fans, um, and not having fans in there. It's kind of weird because you're kind of just, you're throwing poop against the wall. Hopefully it sticks. So, um, and I, I don't know, like, it, I, I find it weird to wrestle in front of them, of the wrestler Cause I feel like a lot of their cheering is not real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. Like, cause I don't know. I feel like a genuine fan who paid money to come see a show is, was, is going to have a different reaction than somebody who's under contract, who's told to be in the audience I don't know that's just that's but then you know I don't I don't know everybody's different I guess but I don't know I, I feel it's more genuine when it's a paying fan or paying audience member um, I, yeah I don't know I I miss the fan I'm sure the fans miss the wrestling as well miss the experience and the just the overall atmosphere of being there
2: with your style it seems like your style would translate very well though in front of the empty arena because you're a little bit more snug um you you know it's it's big clotheslines which make great sounds it's it's uh uppercuts and and it it just feels like you have a a great style that would translate uh in front of an empty arena whereas some of the styles you know i and and this is you know it looks like it's really hard to do the same job you've been doing without uh, without the fans i really have a lot of Sympathy for the wrestlers because they're you know there's like a, kind of like a new thing, but it does seem to me like you know some of the styles don't work great, but I feel like yours w- would translate very well. Do you do you feel like that, or or do you, or or would you be worried going into you know going into the ring and going like oh, I don't know if this is going to work out?
1: Um. Well, I mean, well, like I said, I can either confirm nor deny if anything happened this past <laughs> week, but um, if it did. Um, i mean I definitely feel like a lot of the sound coming from a match of mine isn't uh, self-generated it's my body hitting the other guy so um you know i, I that aspect I, I i like and I feel that I feel like you're right that you know my style would work in that setting um, but you know I, again i i do like the fan because i because like you know, just the reaction alone, I feel like it kind of just helps out the like. Once well, I hit someone, and again, it's not self-generated sound. Um, when I hit someone, and then there's a genuine reaction from somebody in that front row, like "Holy crap!" Then you know, they me I mean, I'm not going to hit them harder because I because I'm doing my job already. But i um, I like it. You know, that, that just motivates me to, you know to always hit good and hard and, and snug and, and, you know, so it's like a weird, it's a weird, uh, it's a weird concept, I think. But I mean, any, any wrestling is better than no wrestling, I feel.
2: Yeah. um, uh, I just want to add one thing, John, then you can go. Sure, go for it. The the reason why, um, you know, obviously I've seen a lot of Jeff Cobb matches uh, over the years, but, I went to a PWG show. The only PWG show, actually, that I've ever been to. And uh, Jeff had a match against uh, Jonah Rock. And, you know, you're talking about two big guys who can move. And all they had to do was just keep throwing each other into the turnbuckle corners. And you talk about sound. And I, I literally thought that they were moving the ring because it was just... The, you, you did have the fans there, so the fans were really uh, highlighting that. But the sound coming from that ring when these two big, big dudes were uh, were moving so fast and so hard and so powerful, like that is something that not a lot of uh, of what what we get to see now. You know, WWE has a lot of big guys. Not a lot of them wrestle in that you know that that style. You know, Brock Lesnar, maybe Drew McIntyre. They 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 can really uh really move the ring like that. But that that's kind of what I what I'm thinking of when I think of you in this time is like that kind of match with, with Jonah Rock where the sound like the, the sound is of you know just two two big guys you know moving the ring. Like that was that was a, a pretty a pretty intense uh, intense match from that perspective. Oh
1: thank you. <laughs> but
0: I get it. I get it, Jeff. With the fans it's that it's that that adrenaline rush right before you hit that curtain that they give you. And when the fans are not there, it's kind of hard to, you know, to get yourself into that groove you know, with, with, without them there. So that's definitely a, a challenge, but I definitely think your style definitely can translate very really well to the, the empty arena. And, and, um, with that, um, well, I can't say that. <laughs> 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 but yeah I, I totally get what you're saying and uh, i like the uh i like that the you know, when you talked about the uh feeling the crowd because that's very important today i know like once the fans get get back into the building i think uh the quality of wrestling will definitely uh go upwards because i think uh, the fa- you know reacting to the fans is the best way to go feeling out the fans is the best way to go and uh so yeah I love hearing you say that because uh i think that's to me that's the way you should that's the way you should always do it Now, can we go back to one thing that
2: John mentioned in passing a little bit, which was a tremendous experience to be in front of a really large crowd, was the MSG show from uh, WrestleMania 35 weekend. You had a match with Osprey. And you know, whenever whenever I'm with uh, with John and and uh, we're, we're there to watch you wrestle, there've been a couple times where you know we were in different places. I just kind of peek over when when you come out. I just want to see if there you know the eyes are glistening a little bit because uh, you know J- John from 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 a, just a proud perspective, like he he he's like emotional when when he sees like that kind of moment. But like MSG had to be some kind of other level of like. Just uh, from a performance standpoint, like I imagine, you know, you being the performer that you are, like walking that aisle at, at Madison Square Garden was probably like one of your, uh, you know, one of your other bucket lists, like like the G one.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. Um, probably maybe top three, one of the top three moments in my wrestling career. Um, definitely, either one or one or two right now. Because um, you know, like. That's the the mecca is Madison Square Garden, and for I don't know what sixty plus years, the only way you could wrestle with the ring was if you you had to be with the WWF or WWE. Um, so just being able to do that, not under a WWE banner, is it, it's such an amazing experience and very very humble. This the the names that have come through and wrestled in that building it's just it's it's
0: crazy it's it's an amazing experience yeah I remember that, that, I'll never forget that night that was an amazing night and um I know I get emotional and stuff. Cause you know, I like to see my friends do well in it. And especially my friends who have these big dreams and they accomplish it, you know, just like, like Tom Caster and the WWE, you know, that's always been his dream to be a referee there. So when I see my friends succeed like that, it's just an amazing thing. And I remember cow palace was big because that's probably when I got a little more emotional. Just cause I was like, <laughs> that's because I was always, I was like, would tell, you know, talk to Jeff. It's like, man, like, I love seeing at these r shows, even my premier shows, but like, man, I you're just a super talent that needs to be in front of the biggest audience ever and big crowds. And, and sure enough, you know, they had a great crowd at cow palace that night and out came the, the, the Titan Tron with Jeff Cobb's name on it. And I was like, ah, oh. and this is, this is what the people, this, this is a, the the world gets to see Jeff Cobb. And I was so happy to see that. Cause he's such an amazing talent.
2: Yeah, no, it, that, it, that Girl. is, uh, you know, it's like, it's like, I, I always compare it to like, um, you know, when you get to see, like, it's sort of like, Uh, if you're a baseball fan and you watched a player in college and then you know they get drafted by your favorite team and then they go through the ranks in the minors really quickly and you sort of get to see them step by step like you know I feel like I've been able to to watch Jeff uh, like that I didn't get to see the early early stuff um, you know in in the Bay Area or uh, the other places that you wrestled but you know, I, I caught you right at you know right at the premiere time, and so it's been really cool to to just see that that stand from that standpoint of of uh, yeah, you moving up the ranks. Like it's it, it is really cool to watch because, you know, you feel like you're a little bit closer to folks when you know them, uh before you know before they they are reaching their their peak, and you haven't obviously you haven't even peaked yet, so. Uh, I, I totally understand that. Um, before we do let you go, unless John has another question, I guess my, the the kind of last thing that I wanted to ask was, um, you know, we, we are seeing with AEW, WWE has three shows now. I know, um, you know, we, we sort of were wondering what Wednesday nights was going to be. How, like, you know, is it going to be like the Monday Night Wars? Obviously, it's not quite at that level, but it still is. Um, a pretty fun way to watch wrestling with AEW and NXT going head to head from the wrestlers' perspective. uh Oh, I I, ima- <laughs> I I I am I imagine that um you know having tons of companies like you know ha- competing it's good for the wrestler like because wrestlers you know uh you want leverage for for whatever you're gonna do. But do you do you uh, do you feel like that that is anything special or are you keeping an eye on it? Like, are you watching Wednesday night? Like, how do you as a wrestler look at something like that with, uh, you know, maybe a little bit more eyeballs on on wrestling with AEW and, you know, I see TNA doing stuff. And I know ROH has big plans. They're they're uh, signing guys too. like, does it feel a little bit like wrestling's kind of, you know, maybe maybe going back up a little bit?
1: Um, I definitely feel that just because, like, just for the fact that um, there's, I mean, maybe what four years ago, five years ago, um, the number of people that were signed that could make a great living was a lot less than what it is now. Um, I mean, you got you got guys that are in New Japan that are making great money and make a great living. Same with the Ring of Honor and and um, and AEW and WWE. So, I, I mean, I feel. Um, I feel it's a good time from a wrestler standpoint, just for the fact that they can provide for the family and do do that just on what on what they love is you know professional wrestling. So, I mean, I feel that just based off of that alone, I mean, yeah, maybe I I think like the the Monday Night Wars had a lot bigger uh, numbers per se. I, I think it was like. You know, like in like in the, what was like fours and fives or whatever. Uh, I mean, I don't know what NXT and and AEW do because I don't I don't follow that. I just I just feel I just see what I see on on social media and and whatnot and and if there is a buzz and I mean going to wrestling shows, um, doing some indies this year, um, 2020 before this pandemic thing hit, like there was a lot of, a lot more buzz and for wrestling and, and especially, and then, and then all that kind of trickles down to the indie shows, which, which is great because it's, you know, I, I love being on the indies and love, and then for that, I can just see fans in different regions and different parts of the world and hearing them talk about what they like, then I can see that wrestling is, you know, it, it there's a buzz for wrestling. So, and I just hope it continues as this upward trend.
0: Anything else from you, John? Oh, I just want to say, uh, though, thanks for coming on our show. We really greatly appreciate it. And um, Chloe wants to say, it to, uh, hi, Uncle Jeff, before she went to bed. She wanted to make sure she said hi to Uncle Jeff. So, oh, can't right wait to on, see you again. To once die. the big germs are gone, she can't wait to see you again. So, And it's funny because oh, Uncle Jeff God. gave the kids a couple action figures. They, there's like the action figure, and there's like these – are they wrestling buddies or these little figures? Um, micro brawlers. Oh, and I just get a kick because you know when the toys are all over the place, and I see Uncle Jeff just on the ground uh, next to a Spider Man or a a, a a a Pepper Pig. You know, it's just <laughs> it just, just, just I just get a crack. It just cracks me up all the time. You do got to get a,
2: a wrestling buddy or something so uh, Hunter could uh, drop an elbow on it.
0: Well, there's there's two there's two there's two little oh like a wrestler like the old uh, WWF wrestling like, buddy like the little cloth big big thing like the pillow. Dude hunter is he's no fear man he's uh say romero like he's, he's he just runs and tacks chloe and tackles her i gotta have him stop watching wrestling i think with me <laughs> so
2: <laughs> all right jeff um thank yeah thanks thanks for jumping on and uh i'm sure we will see you somewhere fairly soon uh on our televisions is There anything anything you wanted to to, to plug or, or bring up before we get out of here
1: no, nah, I mean just you know thanks for having me on guys, and um, definitely uh, please tag me when this episode comes out so I can retweet it for you guys. Which I try to retweet your new episodes, but sometimes I get lost in my in my uh, Twitter timeline feed. But yeah, I mean just you know to all the people listening, just you know keep supporting wrestling because it it'll come back, and then you know when it does come back, just go out and have a good time, enjoy.
2: All right, Jeff. Thanks a lot. Uh, thanks for the love too, with the retweets and stuff. You know, I, I appreciate. it. I, I get a kick out of it when I see when I see that. I'm like, ah, oh, that that's a uh, really cool. All right, um, we will go to a quick break, and uh, we will get back. We will be back in a second. All right. Hope you enjoyed uh, the interview that we did with Jeff Cobb. I want to thank Jeff Cobb for taking time out of his evening. During these so busy quarantine uh the time and he like the thing that um when we were talking to him just i can't imagine like how antsy he is to get back to doing the thing that he really loves to do like i i I'm just he's gotta be like chomping at the bit to get back in there, you know traveling and and getting doing the thing that he loves like just i can't imagine being being you know someone who has finally kind of broken through a little bit and is
0: on his way and in his prime, and then it just stops. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I know he's, he's he wants to get back out there. I'm not sure about the traveling part, but yeah. part of once he gets there. Once he gets there, and and he's in his
2: happy place in the ring. Yeah, maybe maybe the the long flights aren't great, but you know, I know that whenever he's he's in Japan, he's you know, Instagramming and snapshotting a lot of yeah. his time out there. So. Yeah. Um but okay, but that's it for uh that's it for this show. Uh, we will be back on Monday like I said with a, at least scheduled. I haven't recorded it yet, but doing is scheduled to to join us uh to talk some New Japan Cup and to talk about our Rocky podcast and then John and I will be back with uh the we want flare segment segment for Flare and Sting 1990 Great American Bash. So for Jeff and John, I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.